For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. And our lines are open. You can text 0868 So if it gets to uh, in and around 26, 27 today, 28 tomorrow, 29 for Friday and Saturday. I see a text from somebody there from yesterday's programme telling me to get a grip with regards to the weather. <laughs> I mean, I'm only letting you know as to where I think this is going. I'm not the only person here. Um, somebody saying it will never hit 30 degrees three or four days in a row. I never said three or four days in a row. I said there is a chance that Friday that it might clip 30 but it certainly will hit anywhere between 27 and 29. We'll see. Anyway, weather warning for 18 counties according to the front of the mail today uh, with the surge close to 30 degrees by the end of the weekend. Uh, So the end of the week before we head into the weekend. And that kind of a temperature of say 30 degrees uh, hasn't been seen for the month of August in 27 years. It's amazing. We've got lots more stats to look back at now than they had in yesteryear. So it's interesting. So that's why 18 counties are on an alert when it comes to uh, water and cutting down on water and indeed cutting down on nighttime restrictions possibly to protect water supplies. Scorchio is a headliner making the sun today. They have a three-day forecast there as well that talks about very close to 30 degrees by the time we get to Friday and that could well be the Midlands, but we just might get it down here too. Ireland sizzles as the heat wave kicks in. Uh, the Red Tops love that. And of course, the start of Puck today. So for Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, uh, Puck Fair. It's been going for hundreds of years, at least 400 and probably longer. And the goats have uh, been picked, uh, captured, if you like, from the McGillicuddy Reeks uh, and will be um, lofted upon its perch uh, today. But... With the weather that we're having at the moment, uh, Puck Fair dominates the papers. And uh, it's a wonder, I don't know if you've been there. It, it's a lot of fun. It really is great. There's a great atmosphere. It's, uh, you know, I've been going to it for many years as I pass through and I've always enjoyed it. But the goat itself now, Aaron, the Animal Rights Action Network, makes the front of the our inside pages of the Irish Times today because they say they're concerned because, um, you know, firstly, catching a wild goat, then parading it through the town exposing it to noise and drunken revelry and also the issue of the heat uh, and stuck up there for three days and nights on a 50-foot stand. Now, um, those behind Puck Fair have said if the heat gets too much, uh, the Puck King Goat would be taken down uh, to uh, you know, ground level. In fact, they're also saying that if needs be, they will um, organise a fan if it's needed. Uh, so uh, animal campaigners calling the practice indefensible and barbaric. But the chairman of Puck says that if it means putting a fan on board with the Puck goat, that will be done as well. If it means taking the goat down, because he's actually taken down every day anyway to be inspected. And if it means keeping him down, we'll do that as well. So King Puck's hot seat provokes welfare concerns and welfare for everybody else, particularly those of us uh, on two legs. And that is to do with the cost of renting and the cost of living at an all time high. Um, certainly figures and in inflation that we haven't seen for many, many years. So um, the Independent this morning says that there are right now 716 homes available to rent at the beginning of the month. 716, not Cork, that's across the entire country. 716. I wonder how many are available on Airbnb. I would imagine many, many, many thousands. But that's for another day. So 716 homes, down from 2,500 this time last year. And this time last year, that was nowhere near enough 
Uh, so it's 716. It's absolutely appalling. So the cost of renting has also hit an all-time high. Supply at its lowest and rents at their highest. In fact, if you look at the last three months, there's been another 12.5% increase across the country in rent. Um, how can you justify it? How can landlords justify it? in the last three months. I mean, how far is this going to go where the average rent in Cork City is up 12% in the last three months? 12%. It's just under €1,700 Euro a month. Average. Some will get lower, but I can tell you one thing, there's higher than that as well. So the actual figure is €1,670 Euro in Cork City, €1,300 Euro in Cork County. If you look at parts of Dublin, South County Dublin, nearly two and a half grand a month Nearly two and a half grand a month to, to rent an average three-bedroom semi. And then up the northwest, Mayo, Donegal, Monaghan, Leitrim. Um, like, for instance, Donegal, 880 euro. Uh, Mayo, 983. Leitrim, 843. Cities are multiples of that. And Thomas Gould then in The Echo this morning talks about the 587, they call them voids. They're called voids, V-O-I-D-S. These are council properties uh, that are not actually um, lived in. And Thomas Gould says that every single one of these could be a home for thousands of people on social housing waiting lists in Cork. And he's right. Um, He's right. And they say at Cork City Council that they don't have enough funds to bring them all back. They can only bring back something in the region of maybe 100, 120, 140 of the 587 stock that they call voids. It's it's cruel, really. And it's so crucial, um, you know, that uh, these are the things that should be tackled as a precedent, as a priority, I should say. In other news this morning, you're probably aware Donald Trump um, is home. Well, it was raided. Apparently, they're saying that the FBI said that he, he took away classified documents when he left the, house, the White House and he shouldn't have done. So they went on to Mar-a-Lago and they raided it, his mansion in Palm Beach. Now, Trump is like a demon over it. And he says that this has, uh, uh, this has more to do with uh, stopping him running for president for 2024. Some of the papers this morning are saying that this will definitely make the decision for Trump to run in 2024. And it might even help his campaign. As long as he's not prosecuted, that is. But if he's prosecuted for moving documents from uh, the, the White House, would he ever be able to run for president again? And then Ryan Giggs makes many of the papers today. And, of course, this is a court case, so there are allegations. I mentioned that uh, for fear that think that people maybe think that he's been found guilty just yet. He hasn't. But there's all sorts of uh, accusations and allegations of lots of different types of abuse, including headbutting of his girlfriend and cheating on his girlfriend. It's awful text messages that are being shared, really vicious text messages allegedly sent from uh, Giggs' phone, making many of the court reports today. Um, also, um, down west, down west along, I know we spoke about uh, Puck celebrating in Kilorglan. Uh, Clonakilty may not be celebrating Christmas as good as it's done in years in the past because there's fears that the town of Clonakilty might be left without Christmas lights this Christmas. I actually got contacted by some people down west along regarding that story. Apparently all they get is a €10,000 grant and then, uh, but they figure they need something in the region of 30000 
to actually yeah, do the lights and do them properly. So unless they can come up with the money themselves, they ain't going to get enough from County Council to help them to do it. And it's a lovely story on numbers uh, making the examiner this morning. They talk about cars passing the NCT. Now, they break down lots of different st- numbers as to how many cars went through, how many passed, how much it makes. Uh, things like 1.4 million cars get NCT'd and it brings them something like nearly just under 79 million uh, for motorists uh, and then the retest numbers and all sorts of things but what I was interested in is the 72 year old car uh, that passed imagine that a 72 year old car was amongst the 1.4 million uh, that um, passed there were another few of interest two 42 year old cars and one 43 year old car all passed first time but I'd love to know because it doesn't say in the article you know, about the model, the type, and who owned the 72-year-old car. What was it? Wouldn't you love to know? I mean, talk about giving it a lot of care and attention. And if you're trying to shift the poundage, exercise is important. Going to the gym is important. It really is. Um, but on its own, it's absolutely useless because, by and large, weight loss is about what you eat. And, indeed, the time you eat it. So eating late at night is an absolute no-no. And the rule of thumb usually was... You know, don't eat after 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening except for the UK Times this morning are saying that researchers now and scientists are saying that you shouldn't eat after 3 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> no more food after 3 o'clock in the afternoon your life wouldn't be worth living not eating anything after 3pm limiting your food intake to an 8 hour window in any 24 hours uh, will yield the best weight loss results it's probably true but it would be a tough thing to do to stop eating at 3 in the afternoon wouldn't it it really and truly would. And I know that we spoke about this in the past. Anybody that has a dog will know that, um, you know, if it's a lovely, cute little dog and it's beautifully cared for and you're out for a walk, it will get comments and it can start conversations for you. Particularly if you're sitting down on a park bench. I've seen that in the past myself. But there's a story in the Indo today that says it's a tactic that has long been employed on dating apps, apparently, where people use dogs in their profiles um, and particularly men because women like men who love dogs, um, and they feel a lot more safer around them. Uh, so, the research is out now. Academics have found that a cute little dog really may help men with the affections of women. When a man is walking a small dog, he is seen as less intimidating than while walking alone, and women feel safer, calmer, and more in control. Um, it also can be a great conversation starter uh, if you're out walking a dog and it's a particularly cute or small dog. So that's of interest to you if, for instance, you're uh, looking for love. And I love the story in the Avondu because God knows the galaxy that we're in is just one of billions of them and then you've got the whole universe. There's got to be other people out there. But there's some UFO spotting going up around Mitchellstown of late. It's a really lovely article by Marion Roach in the Avondu this morning talking about, uh, according to online uh, UFO hunters. The most recent site was logged above in Mitchellstown in June. June 26, at uh, just after a quarter past midnight. This sphere of bright lights moving rapidly across the sky. Apparently a lot of people saw it and one guy actually went online at the same time and found that there wasn't one single plane even remotely close for at least 500 miles at the time of these flashing darting lights. It couldn't have been Elon Musk's satellites because they kind of go in formation. So what would a darting light be? Some would say that it could well have been somebody shining one of these strong beams of lights into the sky, but I don't know. There's got to be something in it. And then the article goes on to talk about Cork in the 60s. 
It's an incredible story of a sighting that many people saw in 1962. All sorts of lights all over the north side of the city. And coincidentally, in and around the same time, a power cut in Cork City. I wonder if it was the UFO sightings or the movement and the energy created by the UFOs back then that knocked out the power on Lee's side. Great article. Uh, your thoughts, actually, on UFOs or whether you've ever spotted one, text 0868104106. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Um, not a UFO in the sense of an unidentified flying object, but an, an identified stationary object continues to uh, attract attention. And that is the Gatso van, the speed van, down at the Dunkettle roundabout, right inside the construction site. What the heck is going on? Uh, the latest one I saw is Aaron Stanton Noonan. says, this position of this speed van is definitely illegal. I'm shocked at whoever is the health and safety officer and site manager down at the Dunkettle Works that it's actually still on site. And it's been there for an age inside the barrier. Inside. Second of all, they have no safe pass on the site inductions. And third of all, anything happens, it's on the construction company's insurance. And it's not um, really... Uh, anyway, the point being, it shouldn't be where it is. And many people are taking photographs of it, the position it is. Uh, but it still remains there, brazen as brass. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I want to fly off, if you don't mind, to Spain. I was reading a story earlier in the week of Alicia Marr. Uh, she's from Mayfield originally. Uh, she's in Spain and pretty much exiled to Spain at the moment. Um, and I want to get the backstory from her. I actually mentioned this in passing yesterday when I was talking about Olivia Newton-John, who passed away to breast cancer after a very long fight. Remember I was saying that um, she was calling for many years on her native Australia to allow medicinal use uh, of marijuana. She says, my dream is that Australia soon will, it will be available to all cancer patients and people going through cancer that causes pain. Uh, and I was talking about that yesterday with regards to the use of marijuana and cannabis for pain management. It can be very effective in all different forms of, of chronic pain, not necessarily not necessarily cancer. But enough of me. Let's check in with uh, Alicia and see how she's been getting on and why she can't come home. Alicia, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. And thank you for taking the call. Why are you, why are you stuck there? It's because the main issue is that my doctor and my pain consultant can prescribe cannabis for the chronic pain for me at home, but it's not covered on the medical card and it's over a thousand euro per month. Yeah, I know. Um, no. So that's the reason that I can't come home. It's just financially they, outside your. It's financially outside your grasp. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's more than my invalidity pension per month. And tell, can um, you can you tell us a little bit about the pain? I mean, where, what what type of pain? What what do you suffer with? I have chronic pain. Um, it started, I only went into hospital to have my tonsils removed when I was 17 and had complications afterwards, which led to me ending up with a colostomy bag on my stomach. Good um, God, from tonsils? Taking your tonsils just, Yeah, just from having my tonsils removed, a hemorrhage afterwards and I was on antibiotics in hospital for months and just one night in the hospital, my intestine burst. And I got the bag on my stomach, but I was supposed to have the bag reversed then five years later. So they did the tests um, before before the surgery and they found that I had precancerous cells in my rectum. So they have to remove my rectum then immediately after that surgery. Then I got MRSA and had more complications. And that's where the chronic pain stemmed from. You Um, have been through the horrors. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'd been in pain for about 10 years and it was just taking medication after medication. <laughs> they eventually found that my coccyx bone was also broken. Oh, um, oh, so it's lots of different types of pain. It's like pain from surgery, broken bone pain, and I have nerve damage as well. Oh, God almighty, since your mid-20s. Yeah, it started when I was 17. Yeah. 17? That's 20 years ago. 20 years ago, yeah. yeah. Of pain, Of chronic pain? Of chronic pain, yeah. And that's why you, at one stage you were on 30 tablets a day. For what? 30? I was. 30 tablets a day. I was taking Tramadol, Amitriptyline, Lyrica and Palexia. And like every four months I was going having surgery on my back. Um, but it's just the, the medication just increased over time. And I ended up on 30 a day and it was absolutely horrendous. So, I mean, 30 tablets a day cannot be good for anybody in that kind of quantity. I mean, it must, no, be, do, must be giving the body not. an unmerciful hammering. Yeah, like I, I'd get up in the morning and take 10 tablets and then like a mixture of all the different tablets and then I'd be asleep within half an hour. The, the side effects were just too much altogether. They were worse than the pain in the end, the side effects from the tablets. So you couldn't function from them then in the sense that you had to lie down or sleep all the time. You had no energy. Yeah, exactly. I was like a zombie. Absolutely. Were you able to work, study, socialise, any of those things? No, not really. I spent most of two years on the couch on my own at home. Um, I did, well, I did my college work from home. Like I couldn't go into the university or anything like that, but they they, they were fine about that. They supported me through it. Um, but yeah. Mother of God. So when when then did you describe to look at the um, option of medicinal cannabis, medical cannabis for chronic pain? So it was actually my husband's friend um, from America. He was over in America and he had used it himself because it was legal where he was. And he said, like, would you not just try the cannabis vape? It might work for your pain. And I'd never tried it before. So he sent it over from America. Um, now, at the time, I was still taking 30 tablets per day. And I tried the vape and even from the very first time that I tried it, it got rid of some of the pain. I couldn't believe how much it, it helped immediately. It must um, have been incredible to feel that pain just slowly seeping out of your body, was it? It was unbelievable. I was I was crying, I was laughing. I didn't know what to do because I had, the only other time that I didn't feel pain is when I went to hospital every four months and got an anaesthetic. Yeah. And I wouldn't have pain for a couple of hours, you know. It was just unbelievable. And I went to bed that night um, and I woke up the next morning and I had the same pain when I woke up again, tried the vape again. And again, it, the pain just slowly and gently eased away. That's the only way I can describe it. Right. It was, okay. yeah, miraculous. It was just like a miracle. I, I was just in shock. So you said, something, you, yeah, something as simple yeah. and as, well, it's ultimately natural that grows in the ground. I, I understand that there's, yeah. you know, a lot of toing and froing about, about cannabis and marijuana and things like that. I understand that. But was there any, was there any, potential addiction problems with that amount of medication you were taking, I wonder? Yes, I couldn't miss a dose. Absolutely not. When I was taking that many a day, um, I'd have terrible withdrawal symptoms if I missed even one dose. Yeah. Right, right. But so did you start to wean yourself off the the prescribed medication then? Well, what was the next step after the cannabis vape? So that's exactly what I did. So I stopped taking the Lyrica and the Amitriptyline almost immediately. Um, I think the vape actually helped with the withdrawals as well. It just kind of dampened them down a bit. So it took me months and months to come off them. And when I had come off half of the medication then and I was taking 15 a day, I went to my GP and I told him that I'd come off half the medication. What was the reaction to that? 
you couldn't believe how well I looked when I walked in in the first place. Right. He was like, what have you done? You look amazing. And usually I'd only be going there crying for emergencies to try to get into the hospital to see the pain consultant. He couldn't believe the difference and he couldn't believe that it was cannabis. He just said... He was just shocked, really, as shocked as I was when I took it, you know. Okay, he didn't advise that it was a bad thing to start dropping the dosage like you did without telling him or anything like that, no? No, he didn't. No, he said, like, I took long enough to do it. It was over a couple of months. Yeah. I didn't just stop them immediately. Because I'm not advising um, anybody I, listening to our conversation to do that, not, nor would you. This is just your story. About no, no, I is, wouldn't either. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So but he, he was shocked at the improvement me. in you when you walked into the surgery and you oh, said, yeah. he said that's I looked, a cannabis. I looked like a completely different person. Yeah, that's the cannabis. And I showed him the vape and everything and he just said, oh my God, this is incredible. So he said there and then that day that he'd supervise me coming off the rest of the medication because that would be the hardest part. And he applied then for the ministerial licence for me to use cannabis. Isn't that a very, in fairness, that's a fairly proactive doctor there you have. Yeah, yeah. He said, like his first thing he said was um, that the first thing is his motto, they first do no harm. And he said, by looking at me, he knew that I was so much better, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. Because the yeah. the risk would be that you would be discouraged from continuing. You'd have got all sorts of warnings and said, "No, you need to go back on your tablets. You need to go back on your medication." That didn't happen. You got a license then um, under ministerial license for cannabis prescribed as 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 I did as pain relief. Yeah, so I had to wait a year um, to see a pain specialist, and I got an appointment in January 2020. So we'd come to Spain in November 2019 because I didn't want to keep getting cannabis on the street. Um, so we said we'd move over here. I could join the cannabis club. Um, so I flew back home January 2020, saw the pain consultant. By then, I had come off all the medication and he decided that he would apply for the ministerial licence okay, for me. Okay. Um, so our plan was to go home in May 2020, but um, my licence got approved in March, but by that time we were in lockdown. How long have you so, been in Spain now? Um, since November 2019, is so that, almost three years. Isn't that yeah. amazing? You just mentioned there in the conversation, cannabis on the street. Uh, when the vape pen ran out or whatever, what, what did you do? I bought it from the street from people that I didn't know. Um, How did you do and, that? Well, <laughs> I thought it would be easier, I, but I actually didn't know anybody. So I just had to get ask people to ask people, did anybody know anybody that sold cannabis? And then just bought it and used that now sometimes it worked as well as the vape the cannabis that I got on the street but other times it looked so bad I couldn't use it at all and that's the reason behind coming to Spain my husband was like it's too dodgy buying it off the street like this really you would literally meet a dealer um, give the money they give you the cannabis and you'd go and, and roll it is it yeah that was it yeah, yeah. that was it yeah. but, but yeah. stuff that was decent gave you pain relief it did, yeah. Most of the time it was fine. It was just the odd time it was off and stuff. Um, so have you been home since 2019? Do you come and go or, or what? So I've been home twice since 2019. The last time I went home was for a conference a couple of months ago. Um, that, that was also to do with medical cannabis. Um, but the issue was when I go home, my mom has to buy the cannabis for me off a dealer. Which I obviously don't want her doing, you know. So the last time I went, she got three different types because I couldn't just rely on one type. So she got three different types and the three of them 
were completely different. One of them worked, the other two didn't. So what were they selling so, her then? What do you, I mean, did you research it? Like what kind of stuff are they selling? One of them just looked like tea, dried tea. I don't know. So she obviously didn't know when she was buying it what to look for and stuff like that. So she just had the three lots there for me when so I got home. So therefore, people on the street a lot of them have no idea what they're buying or smoking. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I wouldn't recommend it at all. And in Spain, the reason you're in Spain, of course, is because of the cost. It's a quarter of the price to get. Uh, what, what, what do you get? Do you get a liquid dose, is it? No, no, I get the, the cannabis bud. That's the same. That's what's prescribed for me. Right. Okay. What do you do with that? Um, I, I vape it. Okay. And it's a quarter yeah. of the price? It's a quarter of the price, yeah. Sometimes even less. Sometimes I don't even use the 30 grams a month. So if it was a thousand here a month, in Spain it's somewhere between, what, 200 and 250, is it? Yeah, usually we're in that 200, 250. Why? Yeah. Why is there such a difference? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, I, I just sent my prescription to the clinic up in Madrid and they post it down and I, I honestly I can't I can't tell why the price is so different and my well, prescription in Ireland yeah so you if, but if but you have a medical card I do have a medical card yeah and what what kind of cost would it be is it a thousand with the medical card Yes. So because chronic pain falls outside the qualifying conditions, if I had, say, epilepsy, MS or um, nausea and vomiting induced by chemotherapy, I would have it covered under my medical card. But because it's chronic pain, it's not covered by the medical card. Uh, Chronic pain would be covered by the medical card for prescriptions and stuff like that, but not for medicinal cannabis. Exactly. Gotcha. So yeah. for all my all my pain medication that I used to take, that was all covered. And all my hospital procedures and everything, that was all covered. But just as soon as my prescription changed to cannabis yeah. and I went to have it dispensed, then they said, no, um, it's not covered. You have to pay over a thousand to the, the Netherlands the, in The Hague, you know, that Transvaal pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you're in Spain and trapped, if you like, because... Your pain management is under. How how is your pain level? What what is your quality of life like now? Completely different. I haven't been to hospital since I started cannabis, and I used to be there every four months getting injections into my back, steroids into my back to try to deal with the pain. I used to get my nerves burnt to see. I haven't had a single appointment with the pain consultant since. Okay. You go in there and you get um, uh, steroid injections, you get nerves burnt, you'd get um, anesthetics. Did you say you got anesthetics as well when you went in? Yeah, I used to have to get anesthetics for the okay. procedures, yeah. Okay, anesthetics as well. And 30 tablets, a whole cocktail of different tablets every single day. All of that is gone now. All gone, yeah. I okay. don't take any medication or anything now. Any side effects from the uh, cannabis buds? No, I think because I take so little of it, I don't take enough to give me a high. I just take enough just to dampen down the pain. And do you ever see a day um, when this will be freely available to everybody uh, to improve their quality of life in all sorts of different manners? I'd love to see it, Neil, but to be honest, if they're so stuck on not even allowing people with chronic pain to get it prescribed under the Medical Cannabis Access Programme, I think it's going to be years until they use it for even more conditions. Like in America, the amount of conditions is endless. Like if a doctor sees fit to prescribe it for any condition that you have, somebody can have it prescribed but it's just I just don't understand why it's so difficult in Ireland yeah yeah so, so you're not going to be coming home anytime soon then 
it doesn't look like it. Like this year, they're supposed to be doing a review of the medical cannabis access program to see if chronic pain can be included so that it can be reimbursed on the medical card. But I haven't heard any more about the review when it's coming. They won't even let us know who's doing the review. Um, So it's just, it's very hard to get any information. Mm. And all the emails I've been sending to Stephen Donnelly, I've never had a personal response from him. I don't mean like I don't want a personal response, but every response that I've gotten is a copy and pasted um, letter from the website, word for word. Like he's never even acknowledged that I'm living in Spain in three years. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. And ju- just from your own point of view, then, are you, you, I mean, you, I was reading you were saying that families are broken up over this. Are, do you think there are others like you who are overseas like that? Oh, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that are emailing me after the articles, like because I've been doing articles for the newspapers and stuff since I've come here. And the amount of people asking me, like, do you have a website for moving over? What part of Spain would you recommend? How easy is it? And for like, we were really, really lucky when we came here because we got to stay in my aunt's husband's apartment. She did an apartment here and she let us stay there. Um, but people are like asking me, they have families, they work at home. And it's just impossible for them to move. And it's so sad, me telling them, like, like it was really easy for us to move over. But, like, if you're working and you don't have a job and you have kids and they're in school, how are those people supposed to move, you know? And yeah. people are absolutely desperate, Neil. I mean, desperate, in pain, suffering, and seeing it as a last resort, you know? Yeah. And who's, with really you? Is who's actually with you, Alicia? Just me and my husband, right. just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, are you back working? No, sure. I'm, I'm doing my uh, PhD. Good. I can do that online from here. Um, but I obviously can't work or anything. Yeah. Um, the plan was to finish my PhD and get a job in Ireland, but that doesn't even look like it's going to happen, you know, anytime soon. Yeah. What part of Spain are you in? Alicante. Well, there's an upside to that, I suppose. And the one is the weather and the cost of living, isn't it? Yeah, that it is. It's a lovely place where we are. It's really nice, but it's just, not it's hard to not be able to go home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. You'd be lonely and you'd miss home, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah that's it. Like, we, we we know people here, but it's not the same as no. having your family around, you know. It wasn't your intention to move there and to start a new life there, for instance. So therefore, you're always no. kind of yearning for the life that you had. Yeah, you feel a bit lost, you know, when you're kind of, we're kind of in limbo at the moment. It's the same with my husband. Like, he does his work online. He wanted to get a job at home. Before we came here, that was the plan. But now he's stuck here with me, you know. I know, and, I know, I know. You know, know. Yeah. yeah. You know something, I can't get over the fact that you, you, were, you had to buy cannabis on the street and a lot of the time it was junk and possibly potentially dangerous. God knows what they could be oh, putting yeah. into it, you know. I think that, that's scary that you would have to resort because of pain scary. to trawling yeah. the streets for that's cannabis it. from dealers. Yeah, what I'd like to see is for them to have the same model as they have here in Spain. They have the club and for any anybody can walk in, there could be anything wrong with you. You can try cannabis. The worst thing that's going to happen is that it doesn't work for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 I see texts coming in already with regards to the scams that's going on on the street with regards to, as they call it, weed and the different things that they add to it. You know, there can be very scary stuff. There's a thing called CBD weed. Uh, it says here, you, you, so you know, in regards to buying weed on the street, there's huge scams going on with CBD weed. You can buy this right. kind of weed legally in shops in town and some of them. Um, in fact, I, I bought a bag of it there some years ago for a hundred euro. It's deadly stuff. Uh, dealers will buy CBD weed on the cheap and then they'll try to sell it on as if it was t- uh, proper weed. A huge scam. People should be careful what they are ingesting. You know, you just don't know. 
No, you don't know when you buy it on the street. You don't have a clue. All right. Well, listen, it's good to catch up with you. Um, it, no, nothing's going to change in the short term, but maybe by stories like yours and conversations like yours that ultimately something may be done in a more proactive way to help people deal with chronic pain, don't you think? Exactly, yeah. So we're going to keep campaigning anyway and keep doing the protests and just do our best. Look after yourself. Stay in touch. Lovely catching up with I you, will. Alicia. Regards to you. Take care. You too. Thanks a million. Take Dubai. care. Good luck to you all, and particularly in uh, Alicante. Hi to everybody that's listening to us uh, overseas. And take a fast ad break if you don't mind. We'll come back with calls after these. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, text 0868-104-106. Back to the conversation. Paul, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Paul? Hello? Morning. You okay? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. Sorry, Neil. Yeah, I go, can't. Good man. You're, you're, on, you're not on pods or hands-free or anything like that, are you, no? No. No, I just come back to my phone. Oh, okay, good man yourself. Okay, I just want to pick up on the, following up on the conversation with uh, Alicia Marr. Um, tell me about Kay. Well, Kay is MS for about, 40, uh, about 28 years. And you're married, what, and 41 years now, in fairness? 41 well years, Fair yes. play to you. Okay. Now, um, she has MS about 28 years, and she's getting treatment, and she's um, she'd be in and out. Basically, her treatment would be to go and out for... Um, steroid treatment maybe once every four to six months and she'd get the treatment and it would keep her going for a while now it would take away some of her pain but she had other symptoms whereas um, she, she'd be in chronic pain all the time she mightn't be able to walk you know with this and that but um, recently in the last couple of years she's developed osteoporosis which which is from the steroids which right. we kind of accepted but that was the only treatment they'd give her so yeah. Yeah. She was in there in April in hospital and we got her in and she went in, they started the treatment on a Sunday and her own neurologist, he's a busy man also, he'd have understudies or whatever, other people on his team and um, came around and he said, um, oh, we're stopping the treatment. The steroid so treatment, said, is it? This, the, the, the MRR, the uh, steroid treatment. Yeah. They right. said because it's not doing her any good because... Um, with our bones and that. We said, we know that, but what's the alternative? So, so they said, um, oh, look, we'll do some tests. And they did the test and left to go home. And they sent us some uh, B12 injections over two weeks. Now, I feel myself that that was get her out of the hospital kind of thing. You know, she, she might as well have been taking as the B12 injections for it. They said our B12 was low. But um, but, but how, how did that impact on her pain, though, I wonder? Because... You're saying that because of the steroid treatment, she developed osteoporosis, which is brittle bones, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Like the bro- yeah, her bones were crumbling, if you like. Or she can hardly walk, you know, like, I mean, she, she walks with a stick now all the time, but she couldn't, um, she couldn't walk 200 yards, no, you know, and that, she couldn't, she couldn't walk any further. And on top, of know, the, on top of the steroids, was she on prescribed medication then in the form of tablets at all? Oh, she's on about 40 tablets a day, and God. she has to take... She has to inject herself with one injection three times a week and another injection once a week, a different injection again once a week. 40 and, tablets, um, so that, that's different prescriptions all combined, is it? Oh, yeah, when we get our prescription, oh, when we get our prescription, um, do you know, the, the size of a page of a prescription, now that she has two pages full of when we bring it to the chemist. You know, crazy. Oh, my crazy. God. We're, we're like a chemist shop over in the house. 
But anyway, um, I can imagine. Like, yeah. I just say, was it Alicia there you're talking? It was That's that right. Yeah. Name? Yeah. Well, Alicia made one very good point at the start of that conversation. She said that um, they won't do this on the medical card. Like as far as I'm concerned, that's just all about the cost, you know. And you have you have um, pharmaceutical companies. I I think that's where it's all come from. That's why. Cannabis can't be legalized, the medicinal cannabis. Everybody knows it's good for pain. That lady there, Alicia, you, she walked into her doctor and couldn't believe the difference. That's in the right. Woman, you know? They could not believe the difference in her. And you know, the only change was crazy, like. uh, she was actually smoking the cannabis at that stage and using a vape. But um, like, f- so the 40 tablets a day and everything else and all of the hospital visits and all of that, that's probably, all, is, is that on a medical card? It is. It's on a medical card. She has a medical card because of her chronic illness. I understand but, that. No, um, I, I'm only saying, can you imagine the yeah. cost of all of those tablets to the state well, and the Neil, HSE? Yeah, I was on to one of the papers and I was on to a radio station some years ago because she got a letter saying they were taking her medical card off her. Good. And I got on and I argued a point and... Um, I, I, I went to a TD, a local TD... And it was brought up in the dial, and um, all of a sudden, they weren't taking her off her. And why were they saying that they wanted to take the medical card from a woman who's uh, living a lot of her life with MS? Yeah, but this is the rubbish you're putting up with, Neil, you know, with this government, you know, any government, and I'm not saying just this government, any government, you know, it's like some guy is up there, he has nothing to do, so he says, right, what do we do today to keep ourselves going? We'll do this, you know, another bit of controversy. We'll do a root and branch dig into people who are going to knock off the medical card. Exactly. Was there there any thought given then as to how somebody with multiple sclerosis would cope without a medical card? But there's no thought ever given to anything like that, Neil. You know, it's always about, they're talking about the bottom line, the, 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 the money side of it, you know, but they're not thinking at all, you know. And if anything, this, I feel, if they do start doing this, this is going to cost them more because people are going to have to be looked after in hospitals or whatever, you know. But it's just rubbish. But we were told by the neurologist about, I'd say about, now I could be wrong in this, but about seven years ago, the conversation about medicinal cannabis came up first. Yeah. And I asked our neurologist and he said, Kay would be very suit- it would be very suitable for Kay, so she'd be first on the list for it. So there's, so there's another but, medic, and this this is a neurologist who even seven years ago was saying that it is a route that should be investigated. Oh yes, and and I've spoken to him since about it. And he said they they want um, they want uh, licenses for people. So I was on to neurology nurse recently, and um, after she came out of hospital, no, because they sent her home with no kind of alternative um, medicine, if you like, for anything, you know back on the same old stuff that's not helping her but um, I said but I know of people um, I, I know of people and heard of people on the medicinal cannabis I said for for different things and uh, I was thinking of like the Vera Toomey you know, yeah they that. get you can she, get a ministerial license yeah yeah, yeah. but she said um, she said well that's different she said um, it's uh, for kids with for kids with um, the, the problem now that various child and all. That's right. But yeah, um, yeah. even that, you know, that lady there earlier, she mentioned ministerial license. You know, ministerial license for personal chronic pain, you know. Like, it's a joke. It's a disgrace. And, and you know, one of the reasons that the HSE um, won't reimburse under the medical card, they say that one of them is 
the cost effectiveness of it. But if you look at it from the cost effectiveness point of view, your wife's on 40 tablets a day, prescription tablets that probably yeah. cost hundreds and hundreds to fill that what prescription every, every time. Thousands, would you she's say? On in, she's on an injection there. No, she takes once every, she takes three times a week, um, a Copaxone injection. And it's believed to be thousands, you know. A week? No, thousands, well, I'm not sure, no, but we're told it's thousands it would cost, you know. So she could have she could she could have a medical bill with all of her pharmaceuticals that could run to tens of thousands a year, oh, perhaps it would more. Be un- unbelievable, yeah, unbelievable. So how can they talk about cost effectiveness as being one of the reasons why they won't move forward when they're spending billions then in prescription medication to pharmaceutical companies? Yeah, but you see, the, the the sick person and the person in pain. And person who haven't got somebody like me to come on radio to talk about, they're the easy touch again, you see. You know, my wife wouldn't have the strength or the, um, to come on and talk no, to you about she, yeah, day, you yeah. She's concentrating on dealing you know? with her multiple sclerosis yeah. and, and her you pain. Know? And how is she now? Yeah. Well, she's up all night, every night, all night with pain. And some days then she can't get out of bed, you know, and she might come down for a while. She's good other days then, you know. She's good other days. We might go for a spin down to Blackpool. I live in Ireland's We might go down to Blackpool, you know. But we could go into Duns now. And by the time we get out of Duns, her back is gone, as she'd say, you know, the pain. You know, but... Um, How but, does she remain positive about all of that? Well, she's very positive. She's a very positive person. You know, I, I know of a lot of people who wouldn't be so positive. And unfortunately, they're, they're not with us anymore. And things, You know, they just can't deal with these things. You know, but I know what you're saying. I you know, know what you're saying. I really it's do. Quite know understandable. But you see, none of these things are when there's some guy making a, a thing up in Dublin about, oh, we'll do this and that. None, none of this is taken into account about an ordinary person. So there are people on a daily basis who just can no longer deal with the pain that they're in and they end their own life. Yeah, well, like, I mean, it's just, it's it, and there's a lot easier to here, but it's happening, you know. It's happening, and sure, people throw their hands up to heaven. Yeah, sure. You know, what can you do? You know, that's the attitude. Have you, tri- you, know, she, like, she, have you tried or she tried the cannabis route, even even buying or smoking? We have very recently, actually, since she came out of a uh, hospital because, as I say, I asked them, give me an alternative, and they didn't give me any alternative. So I said, I'm saying this stuff for years. Now, we are getting, um, we're getting CBD oil from Spain for a good couple of years, and it helps a little bit but it's it takes the pain it takes the sharpness off if you like but you know it's still it's still not kind of uh, she couldn't turn around and be like at least and walk into the doctor and they say you're looking great you know she can say she's pain free there's none of that you know? none of that but yeah, uh, she yeah. tried it recently and it <clears throat> helps a bit but she's wary about taking it you know? I know what you're saying yeah, <laughs> she yeah. takes down a cup of coffee or uh, a yogurt or something you know she crush it up and um the, the thing is, she'd say if anyone comes into the house, they'll smell this. So what? Like, so what? Like, yeah, but she is. If the, you're down in Duns, then you you decide to put it into something, and someone someone smells. So what? You know? Yeah. There's nobody else trying to help you. Or trying to help yourself. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, all I all I all I all I'm really ringing in about is um, there's nobody there's nobody willing to help. Like they're on about this medicinal cannabis. They're talking about, as they say, for the last six or seven years. 
what the hell is going on? Like yeah. everybody knows it's, it works, you know. And even even that lady there when she mentioned them, um, and you mentioned it's just like a ministerial uh, license, like a ministerial license, you know, for your pain. Yeah. Yeah. Why your, your your point is you shouldn't need any of that. It should just be available because those who are making these decisions, if they were in the chronic pain that say Alicia was in or your wife is in, Kay, um, they wouldn't yeah. be long. They wouldn't be long changing the law. Oh, they'd change it straight away, or else they'd go somewhere where it's just available for them. You know, like like I mean, in fairness, you know, going to Spain and that. You know, it's brilliant. You know. It's, the thing we often said ourselves, should we do? But you know, we have grandkids and everything. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. So, I we, know. so we didn't do it. You know? But um, it's just a, I, I just like that it's a conversation, and just hopefully this conversation will pick up, and people, somebody who listening today with a bit of influence might say to someone, "Come here, let's get our finger out here and do some about these people." Well said, well said, them, well know? said. Thanks, Paul. Regards to you right. and to Kay as well. That's Thanks it. for taking the call. Cheers. Thanks, Neil. All the best. All the best. Bye. Take Thanks. care, Paul Malamfi. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Corks Red FM. See a bunch of morons in the city centre last night uh, tearing out the plants and the shrubs and all of the soil from the planter boxes on Princess Street. All damaged. Everything left all over the floor and everything. Shocking to see how people find that funny. I don't know. Uh, interestingly, we share that online. Uh, interesting responses. Why can't people take pride in this city? I can't even see how this would be funny, says Claire. Surely be to God there's cameras could see who did this. Another one. What's their city coming to? If I don't know. Are they under 18 or over 18? But Liz is saying if they're under 18, then the parents need to be held responsible. You'd have to trawl through the CCTV footage. Uh, city's gone to the dogs, says Ronnie. Uh, not enough guardy. You never see them in the city for years. Uh, one or two more. Um, I was in town with my son one Saturday recently walking around the city for about four hours. Didn't see a single guard. Yeah, parenting skills plummeted. Stiffer sentencing is what's needed to sort out the problems we have. Uh, people like those who destroy the city. The reason why I don't go for walks anymore with my baby to the city is because I don't feel safe. And the most shocking thing is that their parents are probably worse than the kids. It's either that or the parents have absolutely no idea. There's a group of people saying that a slap across the head is too much. Well, here's the outcome of being too soft on your little angels, says Tom. Uh, no guardy around, and if you do call them, it can take 45 minutes for them to arrive the country will only get worse if something's not done about the level of policing in Ireland, says David. Until parents are dealt with through the courts for the behaviour of their kids and teenagers alike, nothing will change. They have no respect for the law and they're not afraid of it. I'm speaking from experience of assaults and bullying towards my son, where the law seems to be on the side of the bullies and the thugs and not my son. He doesn't feel safe walking in the area where we live. Uh, my God Almighty, imagine not, not feeling safe just walking around your own area. Uh, absence of Garda, will, will, sorry, absence of a Garda force to enforce the law is the root problem. The thugs and the gangs are taken over the city. Zero tolerance is what's needed to be introduced. An example needs to be set. And one final one from Rory, there's no punishment. Uh, the Garda who arrests them is abused. The Garda who arrests them are complained about. The family blame anyone besides their little darlings. And these thugs are then turned out to be a hero in court to his buddies and pals. Or a comfy cell in the hotel on the hill with nothing but pampering in jail, says Rory. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 
Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I know I dealt with it before 10, but I just can't get over that, you know... Some years back, uh, Alicia Marr, who now lives in Alicante in Spain, was on 30 tablets a day for chronic pain. She is now on zero tablets a day and instead is using cannabis for pain. I mean, how can you argue with that? Uh, Really and truly, from 30 uh, to zero. We have some more family passes to give away again today for various tourist attractions across the county. If you're enjoying the weather and you'd like to go on a trip and take in one of those tourist attractions, stay listening. I'll give you an idea what's left on our list because we've been digging into it over the past few weeks and having a lot of fun giving them away. But with regards to some text calls and emails, um, you know, we were talking about house prices uh, increasing and rent increasing and the availability. There's only hundreds now, hundreds of houses, not thousands of houses available for rent across Ireland right now, only hundreds. Um, And landlords are leaving the market and selling up. Landlords are afraid of the hikes and interest rates. We only get 48% of the rent rest of it goes in tax. 48% is what they're left with, says a texter. Lots of landlords would come up on uh, stream as one-house landlords if they made exemptions to us. Otherwise, it's just not worth the grief with the upkeep and now another mortgage hike. Don't blame the accidental landlords. Small landlords are actually doing the state a favour and helping to keep the government's negligence around housing under control in a small way. There are 2,000 empty houses, but they're picking on the guy that owns a single house. Stop blaming him or her. Think of all of the bills that go with the house's upkeep before you start criticising landlords. Yeah, I take the point that 48% of it is what you're left after tax. Uh, The 2,000 empty houses, um, where's that figure? Is that across Cork, City and County? Is that across the country? Uh, Lots then on speeding. Lots on speeding and on Getzo vans and uh, whether or not they're fair or needed or actually stop people speeding or cut down on accidents and deaths. Um, how, and, and we were talking about different places uh, where speed changes from 100 to 120 or 120 to 100, 100 to 80, 80 to 60, 60 to 50, and you may not know it. Um, speed, tell people not to speed and then everybody will be fine. Always remember, speed kills, boy. Another one. In San Francisco, the police hide at the exit of tunnels that have reduced speed limits because they're tunnels. They regularly catch people who claim not to know that the speed limit is reduced in the tunnels. A lot of people listening overseas. Uh, Yes, these uh, cameras and vans are sneaky. Going from Yall to Dungarvan just before the bad bend, a Garda car is normally there on the opposite side of the road. One particular day, the Gardaí were actually hidden with just the speed trap camera jutting out. It's all you could see. Um, morning, there are a lot... Uh, hang on. There are not being used as a deterrent, the cameras and the Gatso vans. Instead, they are used to catch people and make money. I live in Dunkettle, uh, between Glownton and Glanbar. There's a massive problem with speeding here. For the last few years, there was a speed van a few times a week. But then the wall they used to hide behind was knocked down. And we haven't seen them since. Nowhere to hide, I suppose. They should still be here, but now, if they are, they can be seen. So they don't bother coming anymore. Because there's no money to be made anymore without the wall. Um, Morning, I'm personally outraged with the attitude of Irish drivers. It's always unfair, isn't it, that the Gatso vans are catching people speeding, but it's never unfair when a learner driver panics due to impatient people driving too close and beeping at them when they're just doing the speed limit. I drive at the speed limit as I'm a professional driver 
and feel as though I'm always in the way. Can people not leave home a little earlier and use the roads as they should do? The amount of ignorant, rude, impatient and dangerous drivers here is frightening. No regard for other road users or indeed the law. I tried to teach a young relative to drive recently and after driving to Mahan from Yall, he refused to drive home due to a number of drivers beeping, slowing down while passing to shout at him. I'm ashamed to say I'm Irish if this is how we drive. Be safe, people, please. And there's reams and reams of these, really and truly. I work for a security company. We did a survey of Gardaí and discovered that the Gardaí register their own personal cars to the stations that they're assigned to. So if they're caught speeding, no fine would be issued. You expect me to believe that? I mean, can you please show me the research into the survey so that therefore I can take you as being accurate and believe what you're saying? How can a Garda register their car to a Garda station? As, as, as in, that's their place of residence, is it? Can you do that? Can you register a car to your place of work as opposed to your home? There's no way that a guard would snitch on a workmate if he was caught speeding. Well, somebody said earlier in the week that it did happen that, you know, guard stops a guard, then the guard is... No, so a guard stops a speeding guard or a car that has a guard in it speeding. The guard won't prosecute the speeding guard. There's no way a guard would snitch on a workmate if he was caught speeding. He'd be treated as an outcast by his colleagues. But the new speeding fines and cameras are a great idea for the jerks who don't give a hoot. Bring them on. Uh, and believe me when I tell you, you talk about speeding, you talk about cameras or Gatso vans, you get a massive response to it. I'll jump back into more of those texts throughout the course of the morning. But if I could just move and just mention one thing by way of warning, uh, and this is um, issues that I thought had kind of backed off and gone away, and that is sniffing aerosol cans. I got a text in earlier uh, in the week which said, I'd like to get this message out to parents about a recent comeback of sniffing aerosols. I've witnessed teenagers from the age of 13 upwards doing it. I've even seen them buying deodorant in bulk as groups. Parents do not know their kids are doing this because the high doesn't last that long and it's not like being drunk or trying to act sober going home. The parents should keep an eye out for missing deodorant bottles or cans from their home or nozzles gone off sprays. Sniffing aerosols causes blisters and cuts to form around the mouth. You might notice it. I want to let people know as this is a very serious and easily addictive for young people who have no money and want a cheap high and just overall so dangerous and so sad to see. If you get to read this out, don't give out my personal details and I won't. Maybe that's why some of them are behaving like lunatics around town because they're all sniffing aerosols. Used to be aerosols and glue. Anyway, to the carry-on in the city, um, planter boxes just literally ripped out. Plants and shrubs and flowers ripped out, strewn all over the city. Well, certainly all over Princess Street. And I'm seeing other photographs come in from other places as well. Wine, good morning. Good morning. Wine Stansfield, Stansfeld, business person in the city. What have you seen? Well, I mean, I was walking down Patrick Street. I think I think it was on Monday, but I actually can't remember. It was either Monday or Tuesday. Um, and somebody had pulled out loads of the flowers out of the boxes in front of uh, Brown Thomas. Brown Thomas, I have the photographs here. They're all over. Yeah, the, yeah and yeah. then shoved their rubbish into the middle of the other one. And the rubbish, I mean, of course, consisted of um, uh, pint glasses, fast food takeaway yeah. junk, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I know it's, I mean, it's, it's always been, like, petty vandalism has always been an issue. And, and it, to be fair, it's not unique to Cork. Oh, my God. To the imagination. Oh, my God. Um, 
But it's but you know I mean I'm I'm not I mean I have many times um, said things about city council bad things, but in fairness to the council, they're doing their level best to make the city look nice and the flower boxes look lovely. They make the city look lovely. They make Patrick Street look lovely. There's lots of them down by us in front of um, in front of the Crawford. You know they are they are doing their bit to try and make the city more inviting. And have I, you seen I the planter boxes? Have you seen the tiered planter boxes yes, at yes. the Opera House? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a photograph of them in front of me just alongside Costa. They are completely yeah. ripped to pieces. They yeah, are all over the plaza. And you wonder, is, is it the same? I mean, it's surely got to be the same group of people doing it. I mean, I presume they're going to be on CCTV, on a number of CCTV cameras with a bit of luck. But I mean, I don't know what people do. What do you do about it? I mean, what, what can people do about it? Uh, you know, if the guard, if a guard is walking past at that precise moment, yeah, he can probably do something it's about probably it. The, it's probably late at night or the middle of the... The I one outside the Opera House is, is dismantled. It's... Do you know there's one tier yeah. on top of the other on top of the other yeah, on top yeah, of the yeah. other? Um, and it's... The, the top two or three tiers are just ripped off and they're big, like, big rolling the planter boxes around the, fl- around the street. It's just, it, it's so frustrating. I mean, as um, um, the guy who owns Greenwich said, it's why we can't have nice things. You know, like... Uh, and, it's and why we when can't people, have nice things, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, mean, and I mean, it's so frustrating because it's such a tiny number of people who do this sort of thing. You know, and all they do is obviously just wreck it for everyone. That else. could have been a rampage, you know. That could have been just the one same group that did Princess Street, I, did Patrick I, Street, did the Opera House. I think it has to be, to be honest. I, I'd be, I'd be amazed if it isn't the same group of twats wandering around town doing it. I, I'd, I'd be staggered. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that when the CCTV comes out, it'll be the same. Why, why is it that, some, that in, some individuals would see something beautiful and want to destroy it? How angry are they? Like, how unhappy are they? How out of it are they? I don't know. How out of it are they? I don't know. I mean, I don't even think it's being out of it. I mean, I, I saw someone a couple of days ago pointing, saying, I think underneath my teeth, saying, you know, alcohol and drugs. But, you know, most of the lads that we see who are, well, particularly around by Paul Street, who are on drugs, they're 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 fine, you know. They're not doing anything. Yes, they're they're on drugs and they're addicts, but they're not. No, nah, I don't. I don't think it's. I know, don't think it's them. I don't I, think I, it's them. I mean, you know that. You know the shower that attacked the tourist in Bishop Lucy Park, and they're yeah. there in their tracks with their hoodies and their hoods up, and they're going around in groups like they're hard men. Hard men. Yes, I mean there was that's, a group that's, of them walking down the street yeah, yesterday. That's probably more likely to be a group like that, you know. I would say so. I mean, I would say it's just a group of little. I mean, we have we have one or two groups who who appear on Paul Street sometimes and harass um, Subway, harass ourselves. You know, you chuck them out, but. Okay, talk know, to me about the harassment. How how does that play out? What 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 could typically happen? <laughs> typically, you get two or three of them in at once, and they spread like locusts. Um, and it's very hard to keep an eye on them. Now, I mean, normally, if I'm in the shop, I will literally eject them. Um, if, Are they in there to um, rob you? Oh yeah, they're in there to cause trouble. You know, they won't. They, if they rob something, well, from from our point of view, if they rob something, it tends to be something small. They're trying to rob your toys. Do. Yes, they're trying to rob stuff. Um, they do the same in the sweet shop. They do the same in Subway. They tend to try and take stuff off the counter. And like for us, it's the same group of kids. They're like, I'd say they're oh. 11, 12, what? 13. What? No You're joking me, 11 or 12? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're quite young. 
you know, like I said, I'd just eject them out and then you get the usual abuse of, you know, tape your hands off me and etc, etc. Do you get this, you can't touch me, I'm underage? Oh, yeah, yeah. You get all that guff. Yeah. But, you know... Very frustrating, isn't it? So from you then into a coffee shop or into a, you know, a sandwich bar trying to rob them into the sweet shop where they have the big barrels of sweets trying to rob stuff and... Just yeah, you know, no I mean, fear. it's very, it's like, it's very frustrating. I mean, I know, I mean, I have to say, in general, I personally, like, I work in the city centre every day, and I don't find it unsafe. I mean, I, I, there are days when you think, yeah, you know, it's not great, but, but in general, Cork city centre is quite a safe city centre, and it's certainly, and at the moment, it's very busy. I gotta say. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a very good summer. I mean, there are a lot. Yeah, of come on! You saw that. You saw the. You saw the big um, argy barges and the fighting on McCartan Street, and you saw the guy running down Patrick Street covered did, yeah, in blood with his still, shirt off and everything. Come on! No, to be honest, no. I've been working in the city centre for thirty years, and I'd say, I, yes, I have seen things in thirty years. You know, I mean, I don't say, I'm not saying you saw it, but you must have seen the videos because. Oh, I've seen videos of it, but you know, those things have been going on for for years it's not a recent occurrence in any city centre um, and Cork is certainly not unique I mean there's no denying that more guards makes a difference because when we see if, if guards are patrolling on Paul Street you never see trouble ever do you, you know? see guards? Um, it seems to go through phases where you see them every day for a couple of weeks and then you don't see them for days the bicycles tend to come through reasonably often um, but yeah, you you it seems to go through phases. You suddenly so, see a few, and okay. then none for days and days, and then suddenly you see them back patrolling through Ball Street again. I and don't these, know if these issues with these young children that you described there in the conversation is that primarily in the summer when schools are off, or is it at weekends? Or um, what? Tends to be weekends. Yeah. Okay. Um, not not so much interestingly in the summer. Like I saw a group of little guys. Um, on Merchant's Key when I was walking home yesterday. I mean, they, you know, hard men. I think that's the best way to describe it. Mm. Middle hard men. Yeah. Um, but in general, it's not a huge issue in the summer, I presume, because they tend to all get on buses and go and make a nuisance somewhere else. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, okay. It tends, to be, it tends to be yeah. more of a weekend or certainly a post-school um, problem than it is any other time. All right. Okay. All right. Let me get some more calls on this. Thanks, Wyan, as always. Appreciate no taking the Thank call. You. Brian Carr has the Boothouse Bar in Upper Glanmire. Happy days when I used to go to the Boothouse for a bit of lunch uh, when we were out in White's Cross. Brian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? things going? You're still doing that super food out there? We're not, actually. We're um, not doing food at the moment. Man. We're just concentrating on drink. Everything changes, doesn't it? Uh, it does, yeah. We're, look, we're just we're just glad to be back after COVID, and to be fair, everything's going from strength to strength. Oh, to listen, I, I understand exactly. Many, many businesses had to flip like yours, but I've just happy memories from years back, particularly the boot house at Christmas time. There was something gorgeously festive about it, with the big fire going and the, you know, the roast dinner in the middle of the day. I used to love it. So anyway, I do sure we we loved it too, Neil. <laughs> upwards and onwards. Anyway, tell me uh, the problems that we talk about is not unique to the city. No, no. Um, to be fair, you know, you know our area, Upper Glamour. It's a beautiful, you yeah. know, scenic area, it's a quiet, peaceful area, yeah. um, very close to the city. But we're still in the country. But um, yeah, we had an incident recently, and I suppose to be fair, no, it was um, an isolated incident. But 
Um, we have a very proactive community association and they recently set up a Tidy Towns Committee. So there's lots of work being done and there's been great support from the City Council who donated um, several planters and um, benches and so on. And... Um, then you know the work is ongoing it's all voluntary work and everybody's working so hard but there was an incident about two months ago where um the um planters were vandalized and there were uh, flowers a lot of flowers taken from some of the planters and in fact two of the planters and one of the benches were actually stolen okay so the flowers were all ripped out of the planters the two planters Mm. were in stolen and the bench for sitting upon was all stolen as well this, yeah. this all yeah. happened in one go, did it? Um, well, the the planters being taken and the bench being taken happened in one go and the flowers, it was a couple of visits, it was a couple of uh, incidents. Same characters, I would suggest, Brian, would you? Presumably so, Neil, yeah. Yeah, for what, for their own use or to sell on or what? Like, it's theft. Um, it's, I don't know, it's very hard to know, really, to be honest. To catch um, it on CCTV outside the pub or anything? Um, it, it actually, the planter outside the pub and uh, the planter and the bench outside the community centre were untouched because, uh, funnily enough, there are CCTV cameras there. But where they were taken, uh, there were no CCTV cameras. Unbelievable. They're cute enough yeah. to know where the cameras are. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, as I said, Neil, you know, it, this would be upsetting anywhere, but particularly in our area where it's it's such a random yeah, isolated yeah. incident. Somebody driving you know, by saying, oh, I'm going to have that, that looks nice, or I can sell that, or that look good in my house. Yeah, I presume somebody now has a, a very fancy back garden with, you know, Sickening, with, very, with a very expensive bench. Why and, is it that, for, why is it on the one hand we can't have nice things, and then when we do, other people want them? Yeah, it, I don't know. And I mean, to be fair, Neil, you know, as I said, there's so much work happening on the areas looking even nicer than it normally does. And then something like this happens. It's it's so destroying, to be honest. Like. All right. OK, listen, um, they get replaced or will they be replaced or what happens? Um, to be fair, we are getting new. We're getting new benches. Uh, we're getting new benches from the city council, but I, I'd say the planters won't be replaced, not this year at least. Isn't it a shame? People would love yeah, to see them yeah. and love to pass them and love to sit by them. and Completely, and, and, and that's what was happening, you know. But I, I would have to say, Donnie, that we came in, uh, the boundaries were changed, or the zoning was changed, and we came into the city about three years ago, and the support we've got from the city council since then has been amazing. You know, with, with yeah, with the likes of, you know, planters and the roads, uh, you know, there's a lot of work being done in the roads. We saw the yeah, in too, fact, so. I, I notice around, many, many roundabouts are gorgeous. They really and truly mm-hmm. are. And there's a fantastic horticultural department that looks after all of that. But the planters in the city have been wrecked. Totally yeah. wrecked. I have yeah. photograph yeah, after photograph. Yeah. Opera House, Patrick Street, mm-hmm. Princess mm-hmm. Street. I don't know if it's the one group. They just wrecked. It's yeah. I suppose there's a pattern there, though, isn't there? So, yeah, yeah. Torn apart. Yeah. All right, yeah. Brian. Thanks for catching up. Good luck no to you all out of the boothouse. Great part of the thank world, you. the boothouse in Upper Glanmire. Yeah, uh, we did get reports uh, of an incident in a business premises in Ballincollig. There was uh, people got in touch with us alleging that a number of people are stab- were stabbed in a uh, in a public house. I, I won't name the public house at this point, if you don't mind, in a pub there. Um, so that came into us. Uh, so we got on to Garda Press. Uh, the, we got a Garda statement relation. We were called by a listener who said that there was an incident involving a number of stabbings at a pub in Ballincollig. Uh, the remnants of a funeral, apparently, is what we were told. The remnants of a funeral. That's why it kicked off. Um, so the guardie said to us this morning that they were called to a scene of a public order incident that occurred at a licensed premises in Ballincollig 
yesterday evening at 11.15pm. It was reported that a number of people were involved in an assault. All persons involved had left the scene when the guardie arrived and investigations are ongoing. We're told that it involved a number of stabbings after a funeral. Obviously, the funeral or parts of those of the funeral just got out of hand. Uh, no more than that can I say. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Says I was in y'all last Saturday walking on the footpath across from Moby Dicks. Two fellas came up behind me and literally forced their way past me. They were refugees. I know this because they were coming from Aldi with their shopping in their backpack. This has been going on since they came. I don't walk the boardwalk anymore either. So that's just another text there from people none too happy down your way. With regards to parenting and issues like that, um, I do not hit my children. I'm strict, but I'm fair. They respect me and they are so well behaved. There are rules. I consider myself a hands-on parent. I see way too many people with this new relaxed way of parenting you've been describing on air. I think they are lazy parents. Children are out of control and have zero manners or respect. The guy on air is absolutely right yesterday in what he was saying. You do not need to have children to see that this new way is what's wrong with the world today. This new way of parenting. Another person says modern parenting, more like free range parenting. Uh, There's a huge difference between rearing children 30 or 40 years ago and now. Years ago, kids were able to go out and play. We went out in the morning, didn't come back till our dinner. My parents were fantastic. There were seven of us. They couldn't possibly give us all lots of attention. I have two girls myself, but there is no such thing as leaving them outside to play. Now parents are forced to entertain their children and bring them to places. Different generations, changing times, says Lydia. Uh, I believe that fear is not a good motivator. The man on the air has absolutely no idea what makes a good parent. You can't have a relationship based on fear. You can't make an argument saying, I have triple digit IQ. Um, that's embarrassing. I don't understand what that part of it is, but uh, ruling by fear, you don't agree with. Um, unless you have children, people should never even comment. I have one son and I will never have another because I didn't realize, realize how hard it is having children. So thank you for that. Uh, and then just one or two more, just to finally, and I may well come back to this in the future, who knows, well, come back to anything that you guys want to engage in. Um, people saying that people like me who flash drivers, the old lights in the car, warning that there's a Gatso van or a camera ahead should be put off the road. You should be put off the road for flashing or warning speeding nutters. Fair enough. Uh, I wouldn't flash the lights at anyone going at a crazy speed. These are the jerks who are causing carnage on our roads. Remember that. A 160 euro fine will hurt most people. Cops have a right to hide to check for speed. Motorists just need to slow down. There's far too much aggressive driving by both men and women. Um, And you will never, ever convince uh, people who believe that this is a money-making racket that it's not. I'm with people who think that it's a money-making racket out of sneaky speeding vans. Have you ever seen the van as you leave Ballincollig heading into town? Just as the road widens out, there's a van up on the footpath hiding in a gateway. They catch hundreds of drivers a week there. It must be the most lucrative spot in Cork. And just one final one with regards to speeding. The objective is to slow drivers down. Simple as. Here in Sweden, they have speeding cameras by the side of the road. They are similar to bollards. But the key difference is, before you drive past these cameras, you are warned 
that they're in operation. So what do you do? You automatically slow down. So thank you for those. Keep your text coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And I just t- turn to a different topic of conversation. Um, um, and this is to do with socializing, whether it's in an actual physical setting in a pub or how safe or unsafe it is, or indeed online trying to meet somebody. Um, Sunday night, 31st of July, 2022. Young girl, 19-year-old says, I went out with my friends in Bantry. I remember sitting down with them and chatting with a pint. My next memory is waking up in the CUH the next morning to be told that I was spiked. My best friend who was with me the entire time recalls that I passed out twice for short periods of time. Third time, I was out unconscious and unresponsive on the street for up to one hour. I'm then told that I had a seizure. The fire brigade and ambulance service were extremely helpful. I'm told I was brought to CUH, where I had a second seizure. The past few days have been a roller coaster for me, where one minute I'm fine and the next I slip out of consciousness. I haven't been able to walk on my own since this happened. Currently in hospital, undergoing many different tests, seeing doctors to figure out what has caused this. Uh, Eventually home and doing better and on the road to recovery and hoping that this isn't leaving me with any long-term conditions. These are updates all the way along. I was aware of people being spiked all over the country, but I never thought it would happen to me. I'm so, so lucky to have had my best friend and a good group of friends with me at the time who knew to call for help immediately. My family and friends have been so helpful and patient during this time and couldn't have asked for a better support system. I never thought this could happen, and especially in my hometown of Bantry. It frightens me, and I still can't gather thoughts as to why someone would do this. Her high ended up in such a fragile state at all. I just really hope that people take from this to be more careful next time they go out. Keep a close eye on your friends. Stay with them. Stay with someone you trust the whole time. I hate it all, and I wish we could just go out and enjoy ourselves without worrying that something like this could happen to you. But it's the sad reality of today's world. And I hope that me sharing this story can remind people to be mindful and careful. But do go out, do enjoy yourselves, but just take precautions. I mean, how bad is it like that people are just so wary of their surroundings in a pub or a club setting where they're keeping one eye on their friends to make sure that they're all okay and also keeping an eye on their drinks? I mean, there was a story there recently. Wasn't there a story recently of somebody working behind a bar who was done or sacked for actually doing the spiking. Didn't I hear that somewhere? Popping stuff into people's drinks. Um, Can I just stay with that with regards to other forms of socializing or meeting people? Um, It's quite shocking, actually. It's a real-life cork story. It's catfishing. This person has destroyed my life and others. She, for it was a she, has intimate photos of us and has even doctored passports and driving licenses in order to prove. I'm beyond devastated. I was speaking to who I thought was a man called David. Turned out to be a cruel, deceitful cork woman. The backstory is I met David, inverted commas, on Tinder in February and we got on so well. We talked all the time and I shared everything about my life with him. He kept making excuses to why he couldn't meet up, though. Mostly it was due to his ongoing treatment for stomach cancer. However, he sent me flowers, bought me jewellery with my name on and his engraved on it, 
and even said he wanted to marry me. I did have my suspicions and they were realised when I went to drop a care package into him at the Bonds while he was undergoing his cancer treatment there. The staff at the Bonds told me there was no such patient and then I knew that things weren't as they seemed. I did some digging online. I found a girl uh, who had traced him online, him in inverted commas, um, deleted, he then deleted his social media accounts. I got in contact. Um, Eventually, I found out through this other girl the devastating truth. I was being catfished all of this time, not by a man called David, but by a woman. The girl I got in touch with put me in touch with another girl called Ashling, a third victim, and she'd experienced the same thing. Ashling was just out of a very long relationship, and this woman, pretending to be David, took advantage of her, just like she did with me. I'm a single mother who's been going through a divorce. Uh, when this other girl, Ashling, found out the truth, she threatened the guardie and forced this woman to meet up with her. So when they met, this woman promised to delete any photos she had of Ashling but couldn't give any reason as to why she was doing this at all. The guardie have told her that there's nothing that they can do. So Ashling and I also found the social media account of the man that she's actually using the photographs of to be David. The real man lives in London. And though we have contacted him and told him what's happening with his identity, he hasn't responded. I'm still in shock as I only found out all of this over the weekend. I'm devastated and in a state of complete disbelief. How can I be so stupid? And why is this woman preying on vulnerable women? She never asked for money. So what's she getting out of it? I spoke to David on the phone and so did my daughter. Her voice sounded like a man's voice. Sent me photographs of his son. Whose pictures were they? This person now knows so many intimate details about my life, I actually feel violated. I can't go on air in case I'm recognized or this woman comes after me. I hope there aren't others who've experienced this cruel and twisted cork woman. But I'm sure we're not the only ones. When you read this out, keep my personal details anonymous. So that's actually a conversation, you know, back and forth. Because this, at one stage, she was going to come on air. And then the fear of it, she said, I actually can't because I'm afraid of the repercussions of it. So this is a catalogue or a dialogue, um, you know, in printed form of various conversations that um, I believe it was Claire had with her over a period of a few days. This is not uncommon, I can tell you. It's just not uncommon. To the phone lines we go. Catherine, good morning. What do you make of that? Good morning. Shocking. It's, it's not uncommon. And in, the case, shocking. and in the case of this girl, right, there's at least two other girls who have also been catfished by a woman in Cork. Yeah. That is shocking. And then I have another one here, which I'll come to in a few minutes' time, of a group of girls who were catfished. They're lesbians, these girls. And they were catfished by... um, They thought they were in conversation with another lesbian. Turned out to be a cork guy acting the maggot with them. He actually got intimate photographs from these girls. You see, that's the danger. If you start sending photographs, you actually don't know who you're sending them to. You know? and but, But like... I can understand how you would do it because I've been talking to a lot of people and while I was on the dating apps and like they would ask you for photographs, they would send you photographs even though you told them specifically you didn't want photographs 
and I told plenty of them I didn't want photographs. The next thing, bang, a picture would come into your inbox. Head and shoulders, and is it a head and shoulders picture? Head and shoulders picture, yeah, do you know? And like, you know, I was saying like, you know, hello, I don't want to see this, do you know? Now, like, I wouldn't have had any as bad, obviously, as that girl, but I've had loads of married men who would, one fella who claimed to be from McCroom sent me a voice message on Plenty of Fish that was distorted and told me he was in a bad separation and that he couldn't put any photograph up because he didn't want anyone knowing his business and people he knew had seen it. But he was still married. I mean, you know, do you know? And I've had loads of married men, um, you, like, you know, that are just looking for not even a bit of fun. They're looking for a one-night stand. And you know? how, how would you know that they're married? You pick up after a bit. I mean, I'm the first to admit, I mean, I'm in my 50s, my mid-50s. I was very green at the start. Um, but you very quickly learn that, you know, if you see something that's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Uh, do you know? And, like, they'd be promising all these things, you know, we'll take you here, we'll have a great time, we'll have a great life, we'll go here. And, like, you know, it's all crap. Have you met them? Have you met them? I met a few. Now, I mean, I didn't meet any of the ones that I thought were, were definitely married, but I have been on a lot of dates. Okay. And, um, like... Starters, okay, I'm not pushy about looks, to be honest. Um, I'm the first to admit I'm a curvy lady myself, so looks wouldn't bother me. But, like, when you have a fellow that, that has down his dating profile that he's six foot two, and then he turns up smaller in height than me, who I'm five foot five. So, how, kind of how thinking, tall was the six foot two? Yeah, how tall was the six foot two character in the end? He was shorter than me, so he was about five foot four. <laughs> well, but why would you lie? Because, I mean, I'm going to meet you, so I'm going to see what height you are. <laughs> Do you know what I How mean? Would it, was I he mean, not mortified coming in as a five foot two man? I didn't even recognise him. Because huh. his photograph was about 15 years old. Did you call him out on that saying, your photograph's 15 years old, pal, and you're a foot and a half smaller than you said you were? I actually just said to him I didn't recognise you. And his answer to that was, oh, that picture's a few years old. I was going to say, a few years old. And like this fella gave me a big, long drama of all, all his troubles in life and everything. And, you know, I'm talking around with all his troubles in life. Like, but I mean, I really hadn't sat down. And next thing he's giving me all these woes and everything. And I'm kind of going, you know, sorry, like I'm out here to have a coffee and a bit of a laugh. I don't want to be listening to all your woes. You know, and then he turned around and he was on about music because I love music and I dash now my profile. And next thing he goes to me, hasn't Beyonce got a lovely bum? He said that. Like, Honest to God, you know, I'm kind of going, hello. Ah, that's beyond like, you know, weird now, isn't it? Yeah, you know, do you know what I mean? And like, like I, I, I'm telling you, I could write a book. I really could write a book. But having said that, I've actually, after meeting somebody, I met a lovely man in April online dating, and we're getting on very well. Thank God. So four months in. Thank God. But like, you got a prince I've amongst the frogs. Uh, yeah, but I'm telling you, I met a lot of frogs. I mean, there was one man I met, I literally started talking to him and sent you a fish. He made straight away. Uh, no, do you know what? Sometimes I kind of say, no, if they tell you straight out, this is what we want, maybe you're better off, because a lot of them will promise you loads of things, you know, like, you know, we'll meet up now and we, we'll go out places and everything and all they want thing is to get the leg over and they're probably married anyway. And, like, this fella turned around to me and he was actually at a match with his sons Um, said he was separated. Said to me he wanted a casual relationship which you can take what you want. But what, what is that? Is that so, code for sex, is it? No, that's just code for friends of benefits. 
you know <laughs> and um, well it would be just with me nobody else so I felt so special <laughs> I'm telling you he was sitting down at a match with his sons on a Sunday morning and he sent me a message because I told him straight out I wasn't interested he sent me a message so explicit I didn't even understand some of it go away no with his I'm sons I'm not that naive with his sons he was sitting down watching a match and he sent me a text I'm not joking you wouldn't see on a porn movie you see, there's that barrier of protection, I suppose, they feel. You know, there's the anonymity of the online world of, where of the online they world. can get away with it. I mean, you know, do you, like if you were to report something like that, what would happen? Nothing. Probably really. nothing. Yeah. Because, like, as such, he hasn't done anything to me personally. Yeah. Yes, it's not nice. Now, I just deleted it, you know. I have so many blocked numbers on my phone at this stage. I'm sure voted one would say, what is this one doing? Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I do really. I had to block loads of people. I mean, I met another fellow from Donegal who started out being a widower and he was, you know, looking for a serious relationship and we'd meet up in Sligo for a weekend yeah. and um, didn't particularly want anything. And next thing, all of a sudden, here he's on and he started telling me what his wife liked in bed. You know, I didn't know this man. What did I care what his wife liked in bed? Would you do that? He asked you, would you do what his wife does in bed? Yeah. Well, she used to, because she's dead now. God, what would you she put know? that? What would you put that down to? Like, is it just ignorant, stupid? I mean, like, what a lonely kind I, of. I, mean, uh, what? I don't know. I don't know because at the start they come across as being okay, and then they're oh, I have to go. I might do sex there now. All right, okay. I could talk, Catherine, I could talk to you all morning, but you're obviously under pressure, are you? No, nothing. Catherine. Hello. Sorry. I, I just say, no. are you under pressure? If you're under pressure, I'll let you go. No. I'm just saying I could talk to you all day. <laughs> no, I'm okay, actually. I'm just, I'm okay. They're not ready for me yet. All right. But, um, so, yeah, so, like, you know, you actually could write a book on the whole thing. They lie about their uh, age? Um, well, your man did, definitely. They lie about um, being married? They lie about their age? They lie about their height? Um, they disguise their voices during voice notes, you said? Yeah, and send, this has all happened to me. Do, do, do they ever send somebody else? Do they ever use anybody else's photographs? A fellow from England did. I met a fellow from, well, I was only chatting to him in England, but he sent, they were photographs, they were stock photographs, you'd know they were. But he was looking for loads of details about me, so he definitely was a catfisher. And um, I quickly realised that because, like, we were getting married the next week. That was the what? other thing then. You'd have loads of them, you'd have loads of them then, like, you know, we get married, you can be the father of my son, or the mother of my son, and I'm kind of going... I haven't even met you. Why do, so why would... Is it, is it a pastime for people like that? Is it a hobby or something? I think they get off on it together. Yeah, that's probably it. Like, they just love the kicks of it. Yeah, do you know? So, um, yeah, so look, do you know what? I could write a book, as I said. I'll let you get but, on. Um, Listen, thanks for taking the call. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, fa- I'm no, glad you found your prince. I hope that works out for you. I found my flower. Oh, look, if it does, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I tell you this much, if it doesn't, I ain't going back out there. All right, girl, take care. <laughs> I'm well going said. to say everything. Neil, thanks for me. All the best. Bye. Cheers. That other one I was mentioning, actually, was a lesbian dating site. Um, it was a fake... D- this was a guy was pretending to be a lesbian uh, and this girl says I was on a dating app uh, and a girl called Chloe uh, liked me back and messaged me it was an app specifically for lesbian dating we were chatting away she was a bit vague and I thought something was suspicious we messaged a bit on Snapchat the other day uh, and I eventually managed to get the number of this so-called girl 
Uh, I searched the number online, totally different name came up in the search. I knew it was strange, same the number, etc., etc. Searched through Facebook and found that it was actually Cork. I didn't jump to conclusions as people's numbers can be reassigned, but there it was in front of me. Uh, anyway, the, the long and the short of this is, he says, I wanted to make people, especially young women, aware of what's happening in Cork. I don't know whose picture this man was using or where he got them from, but he was asking us for nudes. I sent none, uh, but I could imagine some people can get caught out if they built up trust with this person over time. So this, the long, the long and the short of this was, this is a Cork character whose photograph I have in front of me here, uh, who's pretending to be female and lesbian, trying to get nudes from lesbians on a lesbian dating site. So it really, it really is the Wild West, to be quite honest with you. Julie Haynes has at Twins and Me on Instagram, spoken to her many times in the past. Julie, good morning. Hi Neil, good morning, well, how are you? I, I haven't spoke to you in a while, but I know one of the last times we talked about this had to do with catfishing and people not being who they claim to be, remember? That's right, that's right. And so many newspapers picked it up across the world. Um, I know the stories written out in Portugal, Spain. I had radio stations in Australia ringing me. Catfish, the MTV catfish show rang me. It went crazy. But it's got worse, right? Worse. And, it, and, and I know the Tinder swindler documentary came along and, and things and too hot to handle and stuff. But yeah. um, here, here we go again with yet more of them. What, what was your story? Your man, he was claiming to be a builder in Clare or something, if I remember correctly, wasn't it? That's right. Right, Neil, yes. Well, he said he was a builder and he was originally from Clare and he was after making it up in Clare. So he said, I left the lads up there, the lads that work under me up there, to sort all the jobs out there. And I came down to make it in Cork. So, like, and then I, so we were only texting really originally on Tinder. And after a couple of messages, I dropped the bombshell. Look, I actually have a set of young twins. And he was like, oh, Judy, I love twins. I actually have twin niece and nephew myself. He said, look, can I have your WhatsApp number and I'll send you a picture of the three of us. So I gave him my WhatsApp number and he sent me a beautiful picture of himself and his said a twin niece and nephew, a boy and a girl as well. And they were matching clothes and everything, which was, was very adorable. I was like, oh my God, this is so lovely. And then he was, um, so after a couple of days, he carried on texting like, like hours every, every, every single day. And my dad had passed away maybe six months prior to that. So I had said to him, look, my dad's after passing away a couple of months ago. Yeah. And he said, look, Julie, he said, um, I know where I know the hurt or like your feeling and stuff. He's like, I actually lost my own dad maybe three years ago. I'm a couple of steps ahead of you. So at this stage now, he was nearly comforting me as well. Yeah, really lovely guy. You like, thought oh he was God. just the loveliest, gentlest guy oh, with I the. Neil, I had him off the aisle. I couldn't <laughs> wait. Like, right? This yeah. now was only maybe on day yeah. five. And yeah. this guy now is lovely. He had his head on his shoulders. He loved twins and his own father, unfortunately, was after passing as well. So he knew what I was going through. Yeah, he came across very compassionate, very really? understanding, really respect, very respectful guy, you said, wasn't it? Really yeah. lovely. So again, started texting, we're texting away and what's up. And he said, look, what can I bring out for a coffee? He said, look, I know it's really hard with the kids and you being on your own with them. He said, look, maybe we could do it through school hours or something like that. Me being self-employed, I could knock off at any time. I said, no, this fella now is just like... Night and shine armor. This but, was unreal. Yeah, but before you jump in, didn't you tell me yeah. that he was in Clare? He was doing well in construction, but he was planning yeah. to come to Cork or move he to Cork. He was in or? Cork at this stage, so he had left the lads in Clare, the the lads that worked under him. Like he was the the, the owner of this company. He was saying, and he was in so well in Clare, he didn't actually have to be there anymore. So he wanted to make it in Cork. So at the time, he told me he was living in Douglas, which incidentally was only about twenty minutes from you. 
from me, yeah, exactly. So um, after maybe day five or day six, maybe he said, "Look, can we meet for a coffee?" Right, yeah, carry on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to meet on a Wednesday. So my mom took the twins. I didn't tell my mom no either. I was meeting a guy for a coffee because she would have followed me and probably begged him to get me up the aisle. <laughs> so I just said I was meeting the girls and I was going for a coffee with the girls. So she took the twins for an hour or two for me, and I went home. I got all dolled up, which I never do on a Wednesday afternoon, and heard nothing. So I texted him, I was like, are we still meeting up for a coffee? And I heard nothing back. So because I had his phone number at this stage, I just put his phone number into Google. And this, these alerts start to come up saying like, scam artist, like stay away. Like I can't remember what website, but if you put a number into Google, like something comes up on her. I was like, what the hell? So when it maybe an hour later, he texted me, I was like, oh, Julie, you won't believe this, a wall fell down. So I said, go away out that with your excuses. I said, what's your surname, actually? And I can't even remember his surname was. He pretend it was Murphy. He says, Murphy, Anthony Murphy. And uh, that, that wasn't his name, no, but I'm just saying it was. Yeah. So I went away anyway and Googled Anthony Murphy. Nothing was coming up. I was putting in construction, clear, everything. I was like, no, nothing has come up. But then I remembered his dad died. So I went back to RIP and I put in the surname and the town that he was from up in Clare. And the man came up, this man came up with the same surname and like he was in the same business as this guy was in. Oh my God. And he died maybe like that two or three years prior. And I, you know, the way Norman would say, mourned by son, John and Paul yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So again, mourned by John and Paul. So I went back onto social media, looked them up. I was like, I wonder is it them pretending they're this guy, Anthony. So looked them up and I, like they were looking really respectful men, like married with kids and everything. So I texted him and I said, look, you're not who you are you're telling me you are at all I said this is a big catfish and he said you're some psychopath and he blocked me God, so, God. so so you had discovered that he had robbed somebody else's identity in Limerick yeah yeah, you, yeah, yeah yeah and so there he blocked you then when you confronted him yeah right. yeah, yeah. Wait, right okay and then subsequent to that you shared this guy's so-called profile where so I didn't share the picture just out of respect for the real guy, I suppose, you know, because there is a man looking like this with twins somewhere in the world. So I came on my Instagram then and I have over 100,000 followers. And I said, girls, you won't believe what Because most of my followers will be women. I said, you won't believe it's just after happening to me. So I told the story anyways. And I think I had about 10, maybe 12 come forward in the last couple of months. Being like, Julie, is this the guy? And I'm like, yeah, same. So same guy. Same guy. They but, sent me pictures. But really... The icing on the cake here is this guy's in Newcastle. Yeah, he's in Newcastle. So we figured out where... So this other girl then, a better FBI agent than me, she came forward and was like, Julie, is this guy? Because when I said the twins and they were matching outfits, she was like, it just rang so many bells. So she sent me the picture and she said, I'm actually after tracking the real fella. And the real guy was out in Newcastle. Out in, yeah, in the UK. Why? Like, what, what, what kicks did he get out of that? And you and, like, and other girls like it. See, and that's it. And the other girls I've spoken to who have been catfished by this same guy, that none, he wasn't sleazy. It's not like he was like, send me pictures or, you know, talking about anything like that. I was very, very respectful. So I, I don't know what the guy wanted or the girl. I don't know whether it could be a woman behind the page. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? How who did knows? it make you feel, though? Oh, I, was, I felt like a bit of a foot. Now, I look back now and I, you kind of laugh at it. But like at the time, like, it's so dangerous. Absolutely, so so so. You'd feel dangerous. violated, would you? It's almost like an invasion, isn't it? Like a stranger yeah. coming in your front door. Yeah, exactly. You don't know. It's shocking. It's shocking. Now, I was lucky that I only spoke to this guy for a week, and I, I, I don't know what told, what told me. Just put in his phone number into Google, and these things started coming up. So I knew then straight away I was after being catfished. 
But like, could you imagine talking to him? Like, I know some girls were talking to this guy for maybe six to eight months. Oh my god! And there was just excuse after excuse why he couldn't make a date, or you know, like that something happened in work. It's or something so horrid, isn't it? It's just a horrid Boston. thing to do to drag it's horrid. to, to yeah, yeah. you know to to string somebody along like that. Um, I, I, and and how, how are things now? Are you in a relationship now, or am I prying? No, I sure nobody, nobody's stupid enough to take me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe September when I get these two back to school. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, God knows where you're going to find a man in the world that we live in now. I know. Sure, at the time, like it was only all Tinder and date maps because of lockdown. Sure, none of us could get out. None of us could mingle and, you know. Okay. So it was very hard the last couple of years. Okay. Thank God stuff was back to normal. All right. So Julie Haynes, single and ready to mingle when the kids go back to school. <laughs> Find yourself, all right? Thanks, Neil. Take Cheers, care. Cheers, Julie. Back after Bye. 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show There's that text that came in Oh yeah, there it is I don't know where you're getting your weather forecast from, Neil but there's no 29 degrees coming three days in a row I never said that I mean, uh, like uh, certainly 27, 28 degrees a 29 uh, Friday Anyway, then back to the text He says more likely it'll be 26 degrees max Typical Irish your typical Irish adding on arms and legs if there's any kind of a ray of sunshine. Neil, you need to calm down. It's three or four days of sunshine. Oh, and there's no shortage of water either in a country where it rains 300 years a day. <laughs> Thank you for that. I love those kind of texts. Real Cork. I, I nearly used the term humour, but Cork personality, I suppose. Anyway, whether it's 26, 27, 28 or 29, we have wonderful family passes to give away to take you and your tribe off to one of the great tourist attractions across the county. I'm doing two uh, this hour, right? I'll do another bunch of them for the Copper Mines and Allahys just before midday. But for now, I'm going to give away a family pass for Clonakilty Park Adventure Centre. It's down in the grounds of Clonakilty Park Hotel. It's a superb adventure centre. Loads of activities, aerial trekking, high rope courses, climbing tower, zip line, power fan jumping, and adventure golf and the family passes for a family of four so it's a great day out really and truly apparently people use it for family days out they go for birthdays and hens and stags and school tours and sports teams and social groups they even use it for remember the days when everybody was doing corporate team building it ain't gone away apparently so all that and lots more besides so get dialing for that now we'll take caller nine if you want to book yourself directly it's clonakiltyadventurecentre.ie get dialing now family pass 0818104106 and we'll give away more just before midday today for the Allahees Copper Mine fabulous place can I just um, also just pick up on a few texts from yesterday Big response to the passing away of Olivia Newton-John. I'm in a state of shock that you never saw Greece or Saturday Night Fever. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll get around to it sooner or later. Anyway, I don't think that you... I don't think you'd find many people of your age (laughs) that didn't see any of them, as in either Greece or Saturday Night Fever. It's not as if you lived under a rock in the 70s or 80s, did you? Far from it. Everybody loved those two films. The highlights of our lives. My children are 31 and 28 now, and they loved Greece. They used to think there were Sandy and Danny singing and acting. 
the scenes of Greece for years. Any bits of Greece or Saturday Night Fever that I saw looked kind of cheesy and kind of, I don't know. I don't know. They just weren't for me, but I will give it a go. Bit of trivia for you. Did you know that Olivia Newton-John's mother was the sister of the famous German physicist Max Born? He had a major role to play in the development of quantum physics during the 1920s. He won the Nobel Prize for Physics. There you go, says Ronan. Thank you for that. Thanks for playing Grease music yesterday morning. I was dancing around the kitchen. Lovely memories, says Carol. And just another few. There are lots. Absolutely devastated to hear of Olivia's passing. I'm 38. I've definitely seen Grease at least eight times. Loved it. It's one of my all-time favorite films. My 12-year-old daughter has never seen it. She just told me so. I'm going to try and download it for this evening. She ran into a patio door yesterday and damaged her knee and her head, the poor misfortune. I hope she'll be okay for the Westlife concert on Friday. I won the tickets from you, so thank you, says Caroline. Delighted for you. Uh, enjoy the gig. I hope she'll be fine. I'd say even if she's patched up, she'll still go to Westlife. Uh, morning. My memory of 1978, when Greece came out, was sitting on a deck chair in my family home with the radio blaring. One particular Sunday, 1978, I tuned into CCLR, CBC, and the other pirate stations. And switching from one to another, the soundtrack from Greece was playing at the same time on each station. Oh, it was great to be a teenager. Fabulous music. Fabulous movie, I should say. Yeah, it, you know, far be it to argue whether or not it was a good film, and I'd just never seen it. But you had a lot of great pirate radio stations back at the time that you were uh, listening to the radio in 1978. You'd have had CCLR, absolutely. You'd have had CBC. Along would have come others then in the shape of, um, obviously, ERI and South Coast and Radio City down on Parnell Place. Uh, wall-to-wall pop, it was uh, it was brilliant. Because up until then, of course, there was very little, if nothing at all. Very sad to hear about Olivia Newton-John. I tried to watch Grease several times, but it gave up. <laughs> Says Pat. The music was great, though. Her voice was brilliant. Years ago, I bought one of my sisters an Olivia compilation. The songs were so good and catchy that I kept it for myself, says Pat. I love it. So there's lots more like that. We'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Can I just stay with relationships from earlier on this morning? Uh, I want to talk to Sharon Kenny, online matchmaker with the matchmaker.ie. Spoke to her many times before, actually. She's the go-to girl for everything that's happening with regards to the changing in society, with regards to meeting and having dates or finding a partner. Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And, How are you? And I know you've been waiting a while there. My apologies. But it's just getting harder and crazier, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. And it's because people are really needy and they need to get take a step back and be fulfilled in themselves and get their act together first before they go, I want someone to fill a gap. Fill your own gap and be positive in yourself. Before but it's you all go the people there. that are, are, are lying or not telling the truth or making up their age or their height um, and, and they're married when they say they're single. It's just a horror story. It's, it's shocking and it's because people are coming out of this COVID and feeling lonelier than ever and they don't know who to talk to and they feel if they put up their real photos that they're going to be turned down. But then if they put up fake photos, they're going to be accepted by someone who won't want to meet them after a second date because they're completely lying about... Men usually lie about their height and their weight and women lie about 
um, you know, they want, obviously, taller guys when they're younger, especially. You want that alpha male kind of idea. So most women go for taller men. So men lie about their height because they feel that when they're in front of the lady, that the lady might accept them. And then, um, yeah, it's shocking. And then ladies... So it was a while, about- I don't know if you heard just before, maybe about 10 to 11 this morning, a guy who claimed to be six foot two when she met him for coffee. She's five foot two and he was smaller than her. No way. Yeah. Well, it, that's, a, that's a very, very tough situation because you want to be attracted to that, to that person. You want that connection and you want that chemistry. And so people, when they go online, they have to be more vigilant than ever. And when they say don't share your personal details, it's more like, do you know what? Share your mobile number. You can block that person if you want. Get in front of a WhatsApp call. Look at them straight in the face. You know, look, nearly see them standing up against the door to see if height is your preference. You know, you know, you have to do these things because there are people who... Nobody is going to meet a girl for a coffee if she tells your man to stand up against the door so she can apportion well, his height can, by virtue can, of the door. You're not, you think she's you can, a nutter. You can make it into a joke. You can say, do you get as far as the handle? And uh, <laughs> you can, you know, <laughs> you can make it into a joke. Everything you see or everything you do, you can make into a kind of kind of teasing joke because what happens is people are there's so many people online now they're trying to compete against each other and they're starting with hi rather than giving that person attention and reading through their profile and say I'm not going to say yes to 10 guys in a row or 10 girls in a row I'm going to choose one out of these 10 read through a profile give them the attention because the more you have the more You don't know where to start. And it's actually putting people in an anxious frame of mind. They're going into this kind of complete, oh, will I ever meet someone? Will I ever? And, you know, there's going to be someone out there for everyone. you never will if you're going to be overly uh, concentrating on somebody's looks or their height. Why does height matter? Why does a woman want a six foot two man? Like, what does that prove? Well, that's ridiculous because at the end of the day, you just said it there, Neil. It's not that. It's what's deeper inside them. But women who are, say, if you're in your 20s, 30s and you're looking to have kids, you want tall kids. And this is in our psyche. This comes back from 500 and more years ago. We want kind of an alpha male to protect us. But, you know, deep down, it doesn't matter. You know, it's nice to have someone a bit taller than you. I, I always think it's nice to have someone who can put their arm over your shoulder and feel like, you know, they're, they're that they're that protective okay. person yeah. who okay. that's, I, I, that's tall I understand enough. That. Yeah. Does it, yeah. And, and do, but does the same equate for men? Do they want tall women or you know? No, they they do like a lot of men will say to me, I want someone smaller than me and they might say, Listen, I'm five foot nine, I'm happy to go to five foot nine and some might push it five foot ten. So it's very hard for the very tall ladies as well. So what you're telling me is that in the online world with profiles and stuff like yeah. that, that people actively look at somebody's height as a criteria. Yeah. That's, you know, this is for a lot of people, it's first impressions, which is kind of, I want to be attracted to that person. And then they look to see, does the personality click? Okay. For the first impressions, they go for that. And it's even when you walk into, say, a bar and you see someone across the room and you kind of catch their gaze for that three seconds and you feel, okay, there's a link there. Then you go and chat to them and you see, do they have the connection? Do they have the banter? Can they, can they, 
can you make each other laugh and have a bit of fun together? So unfortunately, online is so fake and it is so like, you know, I have to be the hype. He has to have this. And it's the same way around with guys have to have, they say, listen, I don't want a very big lady. I get that all the time. And, you know, absolutely. This, these ladies might have put on a couple of pounds over COVID as they call it, the COVID pants. But, you know, if they're on the same journey to kind of want to keep fit, then they could go out walking together and they can lose the extra couple of pounds. You know, think of it as a journey with each other, not looking. There's no such thing as perfect out there. So why do people back and forth message all of the time? Why don't they jump on Zoom or open their camera or just video talk? Because one or the other. Then then you'll know before you meet them, won't you? Yeah, it's all about connection and not rejection. The person is afraid of rejection. And if they're afraid of rejection, they shouldn't be going to the dating field without feeling a bit confident in themselves. So it's it's when someone chooses someone that they feel that, now I never put numbers on someone, but say if someone is a 10 out of 10 and someone is a 7 out of 10, in their eyes, they might be going for the 10 out of 10 and then go, okay, I'll talk to her and she'll get to like me. And because she'll get to like me, um, I'm I'm more chance to get, but rather go someone like yourself. Yeah, match yourself with someone like yourself. Not out of ten out of ten. Who don't is be punching above your weight, is it? Yeah, well, if you want to punch a little above your weight, if you feel that you're confident enough, do it. <laughs> but go for someone that's like you that you, you ever have see, fun with. Do you ever see the really, really, really stunning looking women with, you know. <laughs> The not so yeah. good looking men. <laughs> I often yeah. wonder are those men loaded or what? Do they just have like it, millions of euro or something in the bank? It uh, it goes through our minds and we can't help but think it. And <laughs> they think it as well. They this guy the guy might say, you know, again, he might say, Do you know what? I can do this because I've got the money to do it. But you know those guys a mile away because they'll come and say, Listen, I've my car my flashy cars outside or my flashy this or my flashy whatever. So if they're doing that they're going to pick up these girls that are gold diggers okay you get the gold yeah. diggers yeah but would, would yeah. it not be a case that they just have incredibly attractive personalities they could one of the most important one of the most important things is he make someone laugh so you could be not good looking but a great laugh yes yeah but when people say I want someone to make me laugh do you make them laugh you know, it has to go both ways because there's no point someone making you laugh and you not making them laugh. Banter and that kind of camaraderie and that bond that builds up yeah. is all about making each other laugh. But don't but you see someone... that when you're talking to mm. clients that are, and I, imagine, I don't know, but women I know, one of the things that they find really attractive about the opposite sex or a partner, whoever that may be, is that yeah. they can make them laugh. Absolutely, number one. But you have to make them laugh too. You can't expect everything to come your way. Like the amount of ladies that say to me, I want someone to make me laugh. And I said, okay, do you make people laugh? Are are you entertaining? Do you have that kind of little giggle in your personality? And you can see it with their demure, their personality. You can see they're smiling inside. And if they bring that smile, they'll attract the smile on the other side. They'll attract a guy. But if you see someone 
someone out and they have a long face and they're not making an effort, you're not going to go near them. So it's about, I mean, even walking around the shops is safe for picking up someone in the supermarket and, you know, or um, and just say, can you give me advice? Is this cheese out of date? I don't have my glasses on now. That's my age group. <laughs> but, but, would you, you know, would one walk up to a man and pull that stunt? I'd, I'd pull it if I want to. If I thought someone looked and I thought, but then you have to realise, are they well, married what, or not? What do you do then when they said, you know, it's in date, off you go? Then if they Nobody's... say, oh, it's in date. And I said, have you ever heard that cheese people? Just try a bit of banter. And if they come back to you and if they're <laughs> smiling at you, you know, um, what are the cheeses? I'm having, a, I'm having a couple of friends around later. What are the cheeses uh, do you think? Because if they're at that part and they're spending long enough the cheese now, I, that just came to my mind this second. No, and it's a but, brilliant analogy. Uh, you know, I can see it. How did you meet yeah. your partner? Well, actually, I got him at the cheese counter in the local deli. <laughs> well, I had someone now, they... they split up but they met in um, uh, at, at a coffee counter and they were chatting waiting for the coffee for ages now um, now she split up with him but um, and that's then how it began moving. but you see yeah, others then might began. say who is this weirdo get away from me yeah, yeah. Or you can go, but do you know what? If they say that, they're not for you. But <laughs> if, you, if you feel that there's a bit of attraction there, step outside your comfort zone. It's hard to find love. You know, anyone who comes to me and they say, listen, I've been to the parties, I've been to the bars, I can't chat up people at the bars anymore because everyone's sticking to their groups still. People are sticking in their groups. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to, unless you're in your 20s and, you know, you're at a, a, at a concert or something. Most people stick to their group still and it's a, just a habit now don't be afraid of looking over across the room and catch that eye contact twice for three seconds and if someone eyes you up for three seconds a hell of a long time yeah but not if they're eyeing they you up for three you. seconds saying why does he keep looking at me yeah we'll start it then why did you keep looking at him for three seconds <laughs> you're going to end up starting it, a row <laughs> yeah it's so important to kind of step outside your comfort zone and just say I'm bringing the best me to the table and I'm not going in as needy because if you go in as needy you attract needy so that kind of you have to there's three main types of um, attachment styles and you have to be secure 50% are secure and some are anxious and some are avoidant the avoidant are the runners the minute you get close and they're usually kind of men who kind of haven't dealt with past issues the anxious are the needy ones and they kind of lean in too much look at your body and is it leaning in or leaning out and follow your gut there is nothing no better sign than your gut whether it's telling you to lean in or lean out yeah. and if you feel there's red flags at all just go and call them out on us it. it doesn't matter if you lose that person let us let, let them go. They're not for you. It's a complex. It's a complex arena, isn't it? Is that why much of it is happening online? And it can lead into, you know, we're talking about catfishing earlier on, or people with fake accounts yeah. and fake identities. Some of it results in people being duped up, duped out of money and fraud. Uh, yeah. Others is clearly can get very, very bad and leads into harassment and what have you. But do you come across that where people have been catfished or have had oh, even so far where money was taken? A lot of people who who have been catfished would come to me and say, I'm not going online again. So they come to me for the security, knowing that I'm going to go through that other person's profile because the other person, because they're both paying it, paying for it, they're more determined to find a yeah. genuine relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're doing it for that security because 
there's so much scamming out there. One in seven online profiles are fake. And always look out for the same picture or the one person in the photo all the time. You know, does he not have a friend? Why is he in the photo by himself? Why has he got an American army uh, army gear on him? Now, Warning honestly, signs, yeah. yeah. But does oh, anyone done any, I'm quite sure there must be an awful lot of research into the type of person who takes on a fake identity or plays along with people, sometimes for months on end, claiming to be, do they get kicks out of it or are they living an alter ego of who they want to be or what? They're usually people living by themselves who don't get out, who kind of want to, as you said there, Neil, it's the alter ego and they want to say, do you know what? I want to know what it feels like to get all this attention, to be uh, attractive, yeah. you know, and it's very, very sad. And yes, it's coming up the, that kind of alter ego kind of personality who wants to be better than they are, but they can be. They can but go I, out but there it, and okay, but no, Yeah, I know they can, but are they to be pitied so or what? I wouldn't pity them. I would say they need some mental, uh, they need some, um, go to a psychologist, um, go for an hour meeting to a psychologist, say, I need to get out of this. And it is like a drug when you get this attention from yeah. someone. Yeah, it's an adrenaline rush, yeah, the yeah, banter, the back and forth. It really and, is. Yeah. yeah. And then the dopamine is released inside you and then you feel this buzz and then you feel this lust because, and then you forget that you're working under a false persona. So you're living a complete lie, which actually leads to more ill health within you. So get out to a psychologist an hour or half an hour. Sit down and just say, I need to get my start journaling. Write it down. What are you going? Why are you going wrong in your head? There's no point living a lie because you're not living. Live the most genuine life you can. Write it down and understand if you don't want to go to a psychologist, understand why you're doing it, because your answers are all in there. And if you kind of write as fast as you can and write down all those that stuff going through your head, mm. you'll see the solution in there. Mm. So mm. journaling is a really good way to release any stress or anxiety or why you're going through these things. Because I don't feel pity for them, unfortunately. I just feel that they're ripping off people in when it comes to money. It's or from a, and it uh, can lead to money. We've heard of that. Sometimes hundreds yeah. of thousands of euro over a period of time on all of these yep. sob stories that are totally fake and made up. It's really, really... I mean, it's, it that's be, criminal. It's criminal. And it could be... Like, I had um, a widow and she was married to... Um, uh, she was a piano teacher. Her husband died. And you would, you'd never, ever think she'd get scammed. But you'd never actually think she'd go online dating either. And she got scammed, okay, 7,000. But it was still 7,000. She was a piano teacher. And she still got scammed for 7,000. We can never under... And she was... You know, you know, it's up to sixties, seventies. It doesn't matter what age you are; you can still get scammed out there. Okay. And just be absolutely careful yeah. who comes into your life. You're precious, and know how precious you are. And don't take on any second best when you feel that you're leaning back out of the situation because your gut is telling you there's something wrong here. Mm, good stuff. Good words of advice. Listen, Sharon. Thanks so much. If people are looking for relationships, they're looking you. for love, they're looking to hook up. Check out thematchmaker.ie. Take care, Sharon. Aaron, thanks for taking Thank the call. You, Neil. Take uh, very care. quickly, going to talk to Diane. Diane, good morning. Thanks for holding. You hear me? Okay. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I can uh, hear you, you, you had a fairly tragic situation. Your your photos were being used, is it? Yeah, like it was a long time ago, but um, I was just going through like a time of um, internet dating myself, and 
I had somebody message me to say that um, who like, who was the real one, and I was like, I don't understand what you mean. And they were saying your picture, like this picture, is used elsewhere on the site as well. So then what? Um, so they sent me on like a, a a picture or like the name and of a different um, profile with your photograph. A different profile with my photograph. Yeah. How did you feel? Uh, it was weird. Like, it was a very strange feeling. It was like, it was it was just weird. And this was before the show Catfish and everything came on and MTV and stuff. So it was like, I'd never really heard of it before. It was a good 10 years ago anyway. So you looked at this fake profile with your photograph from Plenty of Fish. And did you look at the, did you, did you read the description of the person and their personality and their likes yeah. and stuff? Yeah, like, I mean, looking at it like you would have just thought it was, me, like, well, like, it had a different name, different age. Um, they were like a nurse, apparently, or something. Um, Weird. Yeah, just like a just like a normal profile that you click on. So, like, I can understand why people were saying, "Is who's this the real? Who's the real person, one? Who's you know? the real Diane?" What did you do about it? So, I actually messaged them and I said, "I can see that you're using my pictures, and could you take them down, please?" And I just said, like, you know, I like. I can't, I just, I can't even really remember. I was just saying, I was, I messed them anyway nicely. I was just being nice and just thinking, take it down. And people are going to know, like, when they see you that you're not me. And I got no response. So I messaged again when I seen the profile was still there. And I said, look, I'm going to have to report you to send you fish if you can't, if you're not going to delete it. Because, you know, you're using my picture and people are thinking that you're me. And um, I went back on then again to check and... I think, what, thinking about it now, actually saying out loud again, maybe they did take it down, but like, I felt like they blocked me because I couldn't, I couldn't get onto their page. You were, like, oh you, my God, either they, they took it down me. or you were blocked, but you'll never know which. Yeah, I'll never know. I'll never know. But I never, like I actually came off Dengie Fish after that. I haven't went online dating since and nobody has ever reported back to me to say that your picture's out there or anything, but... And do you, you know, recall like, the photograph that was taken and where it was taken and yeah. everything like that? God, yeah, it. yeah, I remember the exact picture. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, isn't it crazy? So, yeah, it is crazy. And then the show Catfish came out, and I remember telling people like that happened to me. It did happen to you. And you see, the thing about whoever yeah. did it is, they were never ever going to meet anybody because they turn up as a different person, so they could never take it any further except whatever kicks they were getting out of it. Yeah, very very strange. Unless there was someone very insecure now and just lonely looking for someone to talk to or something I don't know I kind of took it a bit like a compliment anyway as well at the same time yeah that they took your (laughs) 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 that they took your photograph must lead yeah yeah (laughs) that you were very good good looking enough to use in a profile a fake profile so you you did you you gave up online dating but and what did you do with regards to trying to find someone or start a relationship Uh, I I've been single with years, years and years. I'm happy. I'm happy that way. I think it's less stress. I've tried a couple of times and I don't know. I don't know. I have three, three young kids like, so they take up a lot of my time yeah. so I don't really get much free time. I so I think when they're older I probably look into it then but for now um, I'm happy. Out. So happy when night comes along and if it happens it happens but it's, it's not really like my uh, 
my life's mission or anything. I'm, I'm happy. Well, while I have you here, do you mind if I just share a few texts just while I'm while I'm chatting with you? You know, because uh, yeah. just get your thoughts. Here's here's one or two. I would never, I never would have understood how someone could go into an online relationship without meeting the person in real life. But now, after the lockdowns, I can totally understand it. The lockdowns made it so normal to chat to people online for ages. It could be months before you'd meet up with them. You wouldn't think it meant anything, but when you're chatting to someone for days, you'd be amazed by how fast you'd actually get attached. You know, that the whole physicality yeah. of a relationship. Okay, it's important at some stage that you have a physical relationship, but more and more people are very happy in an online world. You know? Yeah, and I, I, like, I get that. And then, like, what I found out, like, someone I was seeing kind of in the last few, like, couple of months ago, like, we were talking online for a while just through Facebook and like, I felt like, oh my God, I'm mad about him. He's so lovely, so nice. And we met up and I only had a couple of dates and I was like, oh my God, he's not who I thought he was I at know, all. We're totally yeah. different people. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's hard, like when you're reading, when you're texting, you know, like you don't really get a proper impression of somebody reading. Why, why like, is you know? that? Is it that in the online setting, the back and forth, the texting or whatever, that they're making it up to suit what you want to hear, is it? I think so. Like you have a little bit more time to reply and you can be a bit more... I don't know, like a bit more fun or something. And I don't know, like I just found the person very boring when I met him, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Like was, we're having such a laugh online. and It just wasn't the same in real life. Yeah. And Here's another interesting one. Tinder is the job, Neil. I can set it up that I can be on a night out and see all the women on the Tinder app near me. If I see a girl out that I've spotted on the app, at least I know she's looking. It's a real time saver. Can you follow that? Do you know what that means? I've never been on Tinder, but I think I know, like, I think they have, like, your matches, yeah, like, in the distance. I think you can set it to, like, five kilometres or 20 kilometres, something like that. And if you're within Um, five kilometres of somebody, even in a bar, of someone that you have kind of swept, what is it, flicked right to, is it? Um, Swept right to? One or the other, anyway, yeah, you... That That if they're in the same location as you your phone will alert you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually not too bad <laughs> because at least you were meeting them kind of straight away face to part, like, you know, face to face. If on a night out, you'd have a chance like that. Like, you know that they are looking for love or looking to, to meet that, someone or something. And would one then approach the other in that social setting, is it? I presume so, yeah. Okay, okay. One more fear. I, had I don't know. Great, I think that's not as bad. I had great and terrible experiences with online dating. I met my fiance on Hinge in January 2020, but I'd been online dating for a few years before that. People always go on about how awful guys are online, but women can be cruel. One time I was chatting to a girl online and I thought we were getting on well. After a day or two, I asked her if she wanted to meet up. She sent me a voice message with herself and her boyfriend laughing and saying that they were oh wondering how, yeah they were saying they were wondering how long it would take and how long they could string me along i really did, did feel humiliated stuff like that seems to be common enough luckily i eventually met my fiance a few months later she was well worth the wait don't give out my details isn't that the most hurtful trick oh my god that's awful that's horrible like and you know i was actually having a chat with my mother last night we were on about like relationships and like when she, like, back in her time, you know, like, it was so romanticized, you know, that kind of way. Like, yeah. today, it's like a catalogue, and you get to, like, pick whoever you want, and it's very hard. Yeah. 
yeah. the right person because yeah. everybody has so much choice now. The well, it's always going to be like, it's always going to be very difficult to the old old days if you're basing every if you're basing your search on a profile. You're kind of setting yeah. it up in advance, like like ordering from a menu. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. Just there's too much choice. There's too much. All right, girl. Yeah. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Thanks for sticking with me. Cheers, All Diane. Right, All Neil. the best. Take care. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. You know, all this business of fake accounts and fake people and fake identities and catfishing, it is not illegal in itself in Ireland. Catfishing of the type that we've spoken about this morning it becomes illegal when you're duped into giving money or goods you know, where you hand over something, that's when it becomes illegal or when it engages into areas like harassment. Um, and you can get into other issues that involve Coco's law and things like that. But actually, the type of catfishing that we've been talking about typically is not illegal. Um, it may be upsetting. It may be bad form. It may be an awful thing to do. It may be a violation. Uh, but And it's dishonest, obviously, but but not illegal. Uh, back to the phone lines. Well. Calvin, good morning. Calvin, can you hear me okay? Okay, well, that's not going to happen anytime soon on WhatsApp, so I'll give him back to you there and we'll see if we can uh, clean it up. It should be working, but it isn't. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. So back to texts and issues. I was on online dating yesterday, and it seems a lot of people are experiencing the same as me. Um, actually, I'll come back to that as well when we get more calls on the air. Uh, general comments then on different topics from the last couple of days included my conversation with Michael. Uh, who told a very honest and harrowing story about his own youth when he was bullied at a very young age for a long, long time. And a lot of people said, great conversation with Michael on air. He sounded like a great guy and he made some great points. It really was a very powerful one. If you didn't hear yesterday's program, check out the uh, the podcast because he is a parent himself and wanted to learn more about parenting. Now gives poor parenting case courses because he felt as a child himself, what he went through, he wouldn't want to happen to his children and he wanted to skill his children up to be, you know, aware of bullying or he was also worried that maybe they might carry some of his trauma as children that he went through as a child. Morning, my child was bullied by popular kids for over six years in a girls' school and when I told the teachers, they did nothing. Another one, that is heartbreaking to listen to his story. Fair play to him. Absolutely fantastic that he turned his life around. One or two more parents uh, whose children are being bullied should join the parents' council or the board of management in the school. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, he, he went all the way and so did his mother. Um, my son was bullied. He's a shy boy. Uh, a boy used to do wrist twists to him in the yard. I told him, next time you see him coming for you, check if the teachers are looking. If not, kick him in the shins. He did. Never had a problem again. Uh, hi, Neil. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. Where's the cycle we're in? Well, you are describing a cycle there, I know. The bully should be removed from the school every time. And the child should be told your actions are why you have to leave. The consequence of your actions means you are expelled. One child should not take precedence over another. Well done to Michael for talking out and looking now to help others in return. So thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. I'll see if, if Calvin is sorted now. We may have been muted. Calvin, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How like, are you? Like in the Zoom world. You're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And, I, and you wouldn't mind I put up with a year and a half of it working from home. <laughs> you think I'd be used to it. <laughs> I caught you out on mute. You're on mute. Yeah, you did, you did. Is the times when you I think you're... Yeah, come here. It's the times <laughs> you think you're on mute and you're not. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't worry, I've been caught. I've anyway, been caught. listen to me. We were talking a lot with girls this morning, but it can happen to guys yes, as well. I, Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, look, to be honest, I, I texted in this morning because I wanted to talk about the state of our city, but uh, he went on to uh, a more important um, topic. To Happy to honest. talk about both, yeah. but just let's stay with the girl you met online first, anyway, yeah. will we? Go I ahead. met a girl. I met a girl online, and she was living in Kerry, and uh, got on like a house on fire. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, couldn't ask for more. And uh, things went along, and uh, we started meeting up. And but before you met up, was it just and... back and forth by text? Did you video call her? And yes. No, no, uh, via text and calls, phone calls. So there was no video call at all. Okay. So did you decide eventually uh, to hook up then, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And uh, we, she came up from Kerry and we went down to Cove and we stayed in the Commodore and uh, we did all stuff like that. Um. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely awesome. And I'm listening there this morning, Neil, and that's the reason why I text in, because it's all women, women complaining about what they, their experiences are. But it's, it, it's not as simple as that. There's men out there that are experiencing this as well. Um, so went through all the motions, had our weekends away, did all that. We went on holidays down to a, a place called Bally Longford. We rented out a place for a week. It's close enough to uh, Bally Bunyan down around that area. Mm. And uh, we had a great week, an absolutely fantastic week. So this was a weekend in Cove, a weekend in Kerry, or a long a week in a Kerry. Weekend in, yeah. in, a weekend in Cork in the Imperial Hotel. I mean, there was no expense spared. Like Who was you know, paying for it, it all was of this? All, well, to be fair, both of us. Okay. We were... It was going Dutch, I suppose, okay. is what they call it. All right, it. so a lot of weekend breaks um, together and a week-long yeah, holiday exactly. and everything. Um, exactly. Okay, go ahead. And we came back after... I came back to, to home, to Cork, and she went back to Kerry. And within a couple of days, I just started getting blanked, totally blanked. No, I, I don't understand, like I'm 45, I don't understand the, the, the total um, understanding of what catfished is or ghosted or, uh, ghosting or, or all that. But I think I was ghosted and I was going, what the feck is going on here? Like, So went anywhere. Eventually she answered me. She married down in Kerry with two kids. She told you that? Going, she came out and just said Oh yeah, confessed. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. How did I make no, it? No, she had told me. Uh, like shit, actually, to be honest. Like, it felt like I'd been used for a purpose and then dropped as soon as the purpose was done. Which, which was what? Do you understand what I'm saying? This was a sexual relationship. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, yeah. 
I can't, I won't necessarily say that, Neil, right? Because we had good times. We had fun. We were doing things that I would normally not be doing. Like we went out to Spike Island. We did all that. We, we, you know, we went and saw things like it wasn't just you're hooked up in a, in a, in a hotel room and riding for the weekend. Sorry, pardon my language, but it wasn't like that. It was actually good. Do you know? So it, did you ask why good. did you do this to me? I did. I did. And I never got an answer. Blocked. So, no like, and, and, uh, and as I said, no, no, nothing. And uh, totally blanked and has never, ever responded to me um, since. Now, Neil, to be honest, that, that was before um, lockdowns. Yeah. So it was way back then. Yeah. And so- I, and, and, I used to like I did use um, plenty of fish, and I've I've met many um, lovely lovely ladies on uh, plenty of fish, and they've all been really really nice ladies, um, but this one just took the biscuit all together. Like assuming she was, was telling, correct. assuming she was telling you the truth, yeah, that she was married and did she did have kids. It wasn't her kind of way of saying she didn't. No, you, I mean, I'm only, I'm only thinking out loud. It wasn't her way of letting you down gently, like no, we let you down with a bang, actually. Yeah, like she had mentioned that she had been married, but the pretense was that. It, like she wasn't. Yeah, I know. In that relationship, and, and, and in a word, how did it make you feel? Like shit. Yeah. Pardon the language. Yeah. Um, like when you're trying to chase up what had been quite a, a good relationship and you're, you know, a fun relationship. We were doing all these things. We were traveling around the country. Yeah. We were going to Ballybunion and sitting on the beach in the sun and eating ice cream and all that was good. And well, you'd feel violated, you'd feel bang. angry, you'd feel upset, you'd feel hey, like a, you'd feel like a fool. <laughs> no, uh, violated, well, no. no, like a fool. Yes. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Tough one, Calvin. Listen, I'm under a little bit of pressure for time, but I'm happy to pick up on the conversation tomorrow if you wanted to drill into the state of our city. Is that okay with you? I well, do I, yeah. you know what, Neil? I, I'd actually love to get into the state of our city, which okay. I really would. Okay, my man. Okay, I'll book in for the morning, all right? I'll book in for the morning. So hang in there. Have your thoughts ready for me when we come back to it tomorrow. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. All credit you to Cork City Council staff they're already out and they've the work done and the plants and the planters in Princess Street have already been fixed they shouldn't have to do it but they have done it and all due uh, well done to them fair play now uh, last bit of business this morning four family passes to give away phone lines are open 0818 104 106 four family passes for Alihi's Copper Mine Museum I wish I had more time so we'll get straight into it Tiger Sullivan is the chairman of the Copper Mine Museum he joins me by phone Tiger morning Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, this is an incredible achievement to get this open and to get this as a tourist attraction because at the height of it, in the 1800s, there were like 1,500 people working in those copper mines, wasn't there? That's right. There was. It was a, it was a centre of industry, Neil. It was tucked away here on the, in the end of the Bera Peninsula, 1500s. And Ali has turned into an industrial hub, you know, one of the biggest industrial centres in the country, which is amazing, really, where it's uh, situated. But 
Um, so 30 years ago, the community here in Ali has decided to tell the story and bring it to life and bring it to the the present generation and that's what we've done here at the Copper Mine Museum. It's incredible because uh, I was down there uh, during lockdown and I walked up to the actual mine itself, to the building stuff, itself yeah, yeah. And, I, and I walked around a bit of the, the, the precinct of the land there but I didn't know anything about the museum. Ah yeah, it's just at the entrance to the village um, and um, it's, it's, it's more than the museum, it's, it's the museum is the core of it and it tells the mining story through the 1800s but as well as that you have the cafe with good food and you have the sensory garden where I'm sitting now at the back with a little yeah. fountain and uh, it's just a little bit of heaven tucked away here. The whole area is Alahees and Aries and all that. It's yeah. just gorgeous down there, it really yes, is. Yes, yes, A little bit undiscovered, but becoming more and more so as the, as the months and the years go on. You know, we, we, um, we, we, we have been promoting it in the tourism front uh, and it is getting out there. But Why did it stop? Did it become unviable at some stage then unviable, if it was employing I mean, yeah, 1,500 people? Yeah, it just got deeper and deeper. It was all underground mining. Uh, you will see the engine houses in around Alleys when you when you drive through the the the, the gap at Barnes coming into Alleys. Uh, but you won't see much sign of the mining. What you will see is the beach uh, down at Valley Dunigan, where I'm just looking out at, at, at the Skelligs now. And um, that is the actual tailings of the mine. It's not a natural beach. It's 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 the waste from the mine, Go the crushed uh, quartz. It is, yeah, thousands of tons of it. <laughs> and do you and hope at some beach. stage to get underground where tourists can go down into the shafts or something? Yes, we're working on that. If you ever around again, give me a shout and I'll I'll I'll, I'll arrange it. But we are working on it as a, as a, it would really be the icing on the cake because the centre here is near well nigh finished you know it's 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 um it's up and running and it, it gives the whole experience but the underground would add a whole other dimension to it so there's um, there are different dimensions there's the museum and then there's the actual site itself which has well walked right. mo- there are walking trails and everything isn't there walking around? trails all around all around and uh, as well as that you know in a few weeks time we have we, we do gigs here uh, we have scullion coming down to play and uh, they've been down before and they, they all love to come back you know it's a real it's a real upfront and personal experience for them and and the people who attend the gigs uh, we just convert to cafe overnight into a, well a, a, a little concert venue and so on and we have art exhibitions going on so it's all go it's, it's a busy busy time I love it. and is the summer being kind to you certainly the weather is it has actually Neil a lot of places uh, what we have we, we, there was a guy doing a survey recently about how we were going, getting on and stuff the Irish numbers are down the Irish uh, tourists uh, naturally enough as, as was expected are going abroad but yeah. the American tourists even today there are Americans here uh, they are up, um, and the English are up, and the Europeans are up. So overall, overall, we were slightly ahead of last year, which is not bad. You know, we're, we're fantastic. We're a little bit more than holding holding our own. Well, so on a beautiful we want, on a beautiful day like today, I wish where I wish I it's was where fabulous. you were sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting beside the fountain now at the back of the museum, and you couldn't you couldn't find a nicer All spot. Right. Well, have yourself a coffee. Thank you for the passes. Do appreciate the family passes. Thanks, Tig. Absolutely, no problem. Cheers. Get yourself down west. And when you're down there, Alihi's Copper Mine Museum and indeed all of the walking trails. So the phone lines are open for those 0818104106. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.